right. So this is the 260th consecutive week of Cinema PsyOps and the ultimate episode of year five. So be sad, Matt. This is the last time you're going to hear this theme. Uh-huh. The following show will destroy your self-worth with excessive expletives, overtly descriptive sexual deviance, and more desperation for external validation than any so-called entertainment should ever be allowed. Two talentless losers who are about as insightful and provocative as a comatose jellyfish. Cinema Psyops. A tendency to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences and to whose hands a publication of this sort may fall. So if someone of a dirty bird gets hold of your stuff and it makes them a dirtier bird, then it's labeled obscene. Encouraging the lowest, most base, and animalistic of desires to all who will listen. Because we, as a society, have decided that a cinema psyops represents our base and vulgar impulses, and that acknowledging our use of it rattles our collective conscience. trying my best to make a positive impact in the lives of others, but secretly I was involved in a relationship that was taking over my life. Cinema Psyops. It was leaving me wounded and depressed, unable to even manage the relationships that mattered to me. Auditory vermin infesting every aspect of the human condition, spreading their filth and foul disease. The Black Plague Podcasting. Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. Welcome to the 260th consecutive week of Cinema PsyOps. Taking full responsibility for subjecting you to this for the 260th consecutive week is myself, Court, and only partially responsible because he's been on most, but not all, of those weeks is Matt. I would just like to say that um, even before this show, I had a hard time managing uh, my personal relationships. So the theme song is kind of right, but it wasn't really the show's fault. Um, it's really, I'm just a bad person. Uh, spoiler alert, all the stuff that they're trying to blame for ruining relationships and destroying lives, they're actually talking about porn. I've been using that for like ever. Every, oh, really? Yeah. Like, I figured you, that's kind of what they were talking about. Yeah, Especially well, <laughs> when he's like, I can't manage my relationships. I'm like, that's a porn addict. Right. Well, that was the same thing. I did the same thing in year four where I just I took people talking about problems they had with pornography um, and, you know, how they felt that uh, things were vile and filth in that and were damaging to, you know, the youth of America or whatever. And just basically manipulated it so that I replaced the word porn with cinema psyops. That's all I've been doing in the past. So you're you're just uh, you're not just a client. You're you're also the president. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of uh, I don't know debaucheryinducing.com. Yeah, <laughs> probably some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, the reason I'm revealing that formula is I'm not planning on doing that for the year six theme, which everybody will get to hear on next week's release, which will be the 261st episode. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. We've been doing this 
so fucking long. Six years. <laughs> this is six years where I've had to put up with you for once a week. That's yeah. once too many. Well, I mean, now you're starting to sound like my wife, so just settle it down. Your co-host, not my wife. Just settle it down. Um, I run Barter Town. I will tell you what's going to go down. <laughs> Speaking mm. of that, I wanted to try something a little bit new. It's something that I'm going to bring in for year six if it works out. If it fails miserably, it all hinges on you. No pressure. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this. I wasn't stressed at all during all this. <laughs> Not even a little. <laughs> so the format that I initially wanted to try and transition into probably about year one, about halfway through, that wouldn't work out because we were not good at this at all. No. <laughs> we we would go crazy to the point we had like four hour long shows that you had to whittle down because we just went too crazy. Well, no, it would be like we would record for two and a half to three hours and then I would just have to edit shit out. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we had to go story detail piece by piece because in the past, that was kind of the only way that we could talk about the movie is to make sure that we were in our space and place at all times. And I started moving away from that until I decided I'm not going to do the synopses anymore. And then when I tried to get you to transition to do that, you weren't comfortable with it because that was the only thing that you knew how to do because we'd been doing that for so long. Yeah. And now, since we got to do two movies back to back, and with the miserable failure that was Ash versus Evil Dead season three coverage where you did every episode synopsis as it was happening. I, I did, Yeah, I didn't quite understand. Oh, fuck, man. It's just it's, it's what I know. <laughs> right. It's going to be a little bit of work for you to give this a shot. So we'll see if it works or not. But basically what we're going to do is a sort of story points synopsis. We're going to go first third of the movie, middle third of the movie and third of the movie. You can divide it up by time. I like to prefer to I, do it by story act. You know, you can kind of tell uh, when the I didn't do story act. I did 20 minute increments, which is still should technically be story arc of, yeah. of a thing like your your 20 I, minute increments or your half hour increments, depending upon the total length of the movie should yeah. get you to the full 90 minutes. That's why most movies are 90 minutes because yeah. the first half hour sets up the story. The middle half hour, it's the point of, you know, whatever strife or trauma or thing that you have to overcome. And yeah. then the back half of the movie is just sex scenes, according to Andy Sedaris. <laughs> <laughs> the back third of the film is nothing but sex scenes because you resolve the plot in the But even the third. front third of the movies is kind of nothing but sex scenes. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> right, he has so, a different way of doing shit. Right. So, I mean, breaking it up in time pieces is probably going to work the best. But I just, I don't know, going scene by scene anymore, we don't even really do that. We just, we've been skipping over so much stuff. And Well, I've, I've tried not to. I've tried to nail everything down, but then I, I think it all sounds repetitive and kind of... Also, we've been doing it that way for a long time. I was actually as, as fucking nerve-wracked as I was to do it this way. I was kind of uh, excited to do the show in a different way. Just because, yeah. I mean, we have been doing it the same way for, for a good amount of years. Yeah, and we got to spice up this relationship because it's getting tired. We really tired do. And I mean, we're getting ready to have to open up. And, uh, <laughs> and, and as everyone knows, that's the last saving grace to a dying relationship that everyone tries. If that doesn't work, then we're going to have to try to have a baby to save this thing. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Most people try to have the baby first. That's where they fuck up. They that's need to true. Open they up try to have the baby, and then, they, and then after that, yeah, they should always try to open up first. Yeah. You should open up the relationship, which I've technically already done. I've had plenty of co-hosts on the side on this show. That's true. You have. You have. And I've and I've gone on other shows. So I mean we we we've really done this thing. 
And I've tried to encourage you and or talk you into doing other shows. Like I've tried to set you up like I'm pimping you out to other shows even. I know. Fucking, <laughs> and we've also had you tried, you tried to make me someone else's problem. Yeah, we've also had guests where we've had four ways of shows yeah. as well. So we've tried uh, yeah. the open relationship and that we, sort we, of worked for a while, but we've not done really. Three ways, four ways, anyways. Whatever we could do to spice it up for the listener. Yeah, we've had like five ways at one point at least, yeah, right? Yeah, we, five had, way. I think we had five people total at one point well when they're back now but when bb and bc was still a thing we were going to have mark guest and talk about his cinematic trauma and then the whole crew from bb and bc wanted to come and do yeah. that so that was three folks because we had iris Mike, and mark all together so that was a very interesting episode to do as well i'm trying to think uh we did do the double dose deuce podcast thing where we did sort of a crossover the way that deuce does it where we cover the first one on our show and then we go on their show and guest and and they guessed on ours, and that was a four-way with a married yeah. couple. <laughs> yeah, man, we're we're uh, we're pretty exciting. We're not we're not your average couple. <laughs> no, no. As far as uh, podcasting duos go, yeah. we are quite dastardly. <laughs> we we really are. We uh we do a lot of weird shit, man. <laughs> No, I mean, the reason I wanted to change it up, too, is I'm getting bored with the formula. I'm pretty sure everybody could tell by yeah. how glib and fucking annoying I've been in the past, I don't know, 200 episodes. <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> I um, mean, for the for the past almost 40 years of life. Yeah, yeah, we could tell. We could tell. Uh, that has a lot to do with uh, my IED trying to overcompensate for my excessive anxiety. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> I get explosively angry because I can't control everything else that's got me scared and terrified. So I just focus in on the thing that made me mad and smash it. Yes. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> you know, Axl Rose did nothing to make me feel very welcome in that jungle. Everything he, he describes not. does not make me want to be there or feel no. welcome. I mean, he pretty much tells us we're going to die. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. If first it brings you to your knees and then you're yeah. going to die. And it, it, it's going to make us bleed. <laughs> just saying. And he wants to see it. I feel very yeah. unwelcome. Yeah, I feel I do not feel welcomed to that jungle at all. <laughs> I feel very unwelcomed. <laughs> well, I think we've done more than our fair share of welcoming people to this what will already be an overly long end of year five episode. So let's just move the fuck on. We're all covering right. Day of the Warrior and yes. Return to Savage Beach in a yeah. double feature like we used to do in the old days, sort of. Yeah. Back in the, the first season. Yeah, we kind of stopped that midway through the first season because it was taking so long, and now I'm doing it again because yeah. I'm dumb, I guess? I don't well, know. Well, we might be better at reviewing and making it go quicker, because when we did the first two movies, we also did it scene by scene, so, the, I mean, and we goofed <laughs> off a lot fucking more. <laughs> yeah, we stopped doing two movies so we could goof off as much as we wanted to, and now we've gotten yeah. bored with goofing off to the point where we actually want to work. That's weird. Yeah, and uh, let's do two movies again. <laughs> Well, let's stop uh, beating around the bush so we can talk about all the bushes in both Day of the Warrior and Return to yes. Savage Beach. We're going to take a little break here. We're going to play the Legion GoFundMe promo. We'll have a little bit of uh, 80s style synthwave type music that will fit with action. And when we come back, we'll have the trailer from Day of the Warrior. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time. And when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. 
That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand scale, take a penny, leave a penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. second i felt like i was back in mamate yeah right no well, shit while that was playing i'm like ooh, this uh this sounds a little too much like a mate soundtrack and then i was like well 80 cents so i guess that works yeah i mean it's <laughs> what it is man <laughs> you know what else is what it is matt uh, i'm i'm gonna go ahead and just guess is it this trailer you are correct sir day of the warrior and andy sedaris film Undercover agents of the Lethal Force have a high-priority mission to stop the warrior. Our contact man in Washington has succeeded in breaking into the Lethal Force computer system. Red alert. This guy, Warrior, who the hell is he anyhow? He's the mastermind behind a billion-dollar black market network. And if this break-in has anything to do with him, he'll kill them all. Oh! It's a worst nightmare, Tyler. Have someone in our organization giving us up. We're gonna get killed. Got to think positive. Positive, we're gonna get killed. The ladies of the Lethal Force are undercover and at the top of their form. This is better than I expected. Load all your guns, look for excitement, and leave your inhibitions behind. You know what to do. The Lethal Force is armed and ready for the Day of the Warrior. Come on, boo! Day of the Warrior, an Andy Sedaris film. Starring Pit House Pets, Julie Strain, Julie K. Smith, Playboy Centerfold, Shea Marks, American Gladiators, Ray Zapolit, and WCW wrestling sensation, Marcus Bagwell as the Warrior. All right, so Buff Bagwell is in this motherfucker. 
Hold on, hold on. WCW sensations pushing that a little bit. Right, right. Okay, so well, I mean, it's that's yeah, that's let's settle down. <laughs> Everyone, just settle down. This is like '96 when he was about as big as WCW could have. That wasn't someone like uh, Hogan or whatever. Hogan, Nash, Hall, 96, Jericho's probably still around, Benoit, I mean, I'm not, I, 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 there's a lot more than buff the stuff, all right? In WCW, yes. Yeah. But he and, was the young up-and-coming guy that uh, the other older wrestlers always had around they, in that Wolfpack. Yeah, they tried to put him in a lot of different stuff with a lot of different people, um, wanting to make something happen, and it just the fans just... Never bought into buff the stuff. You know what did happen though? Two What's Andy that? Sedaris movies back to back where he plays an ultimate warrior knockoff. Yeah, not ultimate warrior. He it's almost more Tatanka. Right, but like he calls himself the Supreme the Warrior, warrior yeah. and he preens around like Supreme like the Ultimate Warrior as Supreme Warrior. Bring dressed me as more. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the actual movie. <laughs> All right. Day of the Warrior. All right, so uh, in the first 20 minutes here, let's face it, we get the the beginning is a, a strip by Cobra. Uh, um, you know, synthetic music, all that shit. Okay. Uh, so Julie K. Smith stripping with a burglar mask on and like this yeah. black outfit and she doesn't take the burglar mask on off, like uh, like she doesn't take off the burglar the mask end. off. Yeah, till the very end of the striptease. She's However, a, um she's looking rough her- though. Right. It looked incredible. It was a great fucking striptease routine. And the little the little gyration she does with her hips, like yeah. right right at the very beginning before they even like turned around and I could recognize her from the rest of her body. But like the way she was shaking her hips, I'm like, oh, that's totally Julie K. Smith. <laughs> well, and but I, what I was saying is she, 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 when she took off the mask, she, she looked like she uh, aged a bit. Uh, that's what smoking and a lot too much sun will do to you, kids. Just be careful. Careful of that shit. Take care of your skin. I'm not going to comment on that in any way, shape, or form because that would be extremely misogynistic. No, I was talking about her skin health. There's a difference. (laughs) However, I did not particularly enjoy the hairstyle that she had this time around. That was Um, a rough hairstyle, too. Yeah, that that looked a little bit rough, too. That was like a 90s thing, man. Even fucking Elizabeth Shue had that at the tail end of the 90s with Hollow Man, that same style That's true. Yeah. It's just be careful of the sun, kids, and and don't smoke, because that that shit will catch up. (laughs) (laughs) Says a man who spends all day outdoors smoking. Well, I don't actually smoke smoke. And I try to stay in my garage at least a little bit so that I have the shade. But <laughs> barbecuing, yeah, you're right. I do do that shit. Uh, that's just not good for my waistline. Um, <laughs> but then we cut to, we get some elite hack soaring in our first clip. Washington has to protect our funding. I'll make Black Hawk aware of that immediately. Red alert. I'm relying on you. I'll handle it, Commander. There's been unauthorized access to our master computer here in Dallas by a supercomputer in Washington. It's only a matter of time before they identify your agents in the field. Doc Austin is in South Texas, about to bust open the Warriors' fine arts smuggling network. Cobra's in Beverly Hills, deep cover, posing as an exotic dancer. She's plugged into his diamond pirating scam. Our other two agents, Shark and Scorpion, are in Las Vegas. They've infiltrated the Warriors' porno operation. Damn it. We've got to get word to them. They're in danger. The warrior is our top priority. 
if this break-in is connected to him, he'll kill them all. All right, first of all, Tiger shows up. She's the one that figures all of this stuff out and looks yeah. at this file. And I was mesmerized by that actress. That, I, is, um, that is not hard to understand. While, while most people would probably look at one particular asset of Shay Marks and be absolutely captivated by the size of her breasts, which I would totally not fault you for, I got lost in those ice cold blue eyes i could not stop staring at her eyes and i'm not just saying that to sound less like a misogynistic prick when talking about these lovely actresses but like i couldn't i just was lost in her eyes i i agree with you i totally agree with you those are a very particular nice set of eyes and (laughs) shockingly she's not bad of an actress for being in an andy sedaris film not um, comparatively to some of these people. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's kind of dig in. The first twenty minutes are a bit rough because it's cornball as fuck. This is the corniest okay, of any of the movies that we've seen. Real quick, we're in an office building, and you see what our agent now that the head Willow, who used to be, who has been a bad, played a bad character throughout all the movies until now. Now she's the head of all this. And listen, you can't work out in that in front of a guy with a suit. HR will not let that fly. I don't care who you are. We've seen this before, this one-piece leopard print bathing suit that makes me think that was definitely Julie Strain's. This was what she was wearing whenever she was hitting on uh, slash getting information out of the park ranger in, yeah. uh, was it Fit to Kill? And then she ended yeah. up killing the guy. And totally. You're right. I'm just saying. Just HR's not going to let that fly, man. Well, the ladies from Lethal use all of their weaponry, including their bodies, to make sure that they can defend us all. Hey, did you see what Lethal stands for? I saw it on there, and I was going to yes. write it down, but I didn't give yes, a fuck. What is I it? I have it actually right now. Hold on one second, and I'm going to get this pulled up. I took a picture of it. It stands for Legion to Ensure Total Harmony and Law. <laughs> I shit you not, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the name of our podcast network was. And then Bo was like, that's way too long. And I can't shorten it to Lethal Network. So I'm just going to call it Legion. (laughs) We're just Legion now. I hope everyone's happy. (laughs) Legion to ensure total harmony and legal legality, right? Yeah, something like that. And law. (laughs) What's really crazy about this is it's not until the last two movies that they dub them the Lethal Squad. And everything that I know of the Lethal Ladies and all of this stuff is from watching portions of these two last movies, thinking that I'd seen tons of movies whenever I caught the very end of the one last week or the, you know, pieces of this one and the, the one that we're going to be talking about here, late, you know, a little bit later with uh, Return to Savage Beach, thinking that I'd seen all these other movies, you know, in the past, when in fact, I think I probably previously seen as a kid, maybe I saw Fit to Kill, I know for sure, and I watched that a lot, but like these other ones, I always thought I was watching all these other movies because there's a lot of the stories that cross over when people describe them like hey i've seen that that's that's one of those sedaris flicks sure and this movie is one of the ones where i was like okay so this is the one that i'd saw this piece of or that piece of you know yeah Yeah, i mean you could almost watch one of these and think you've watched all of these well i can attest to you verifiably i've only seen portions of some of these movies and i was convinced i had watched them all before i bought the dvds yeah right um <laughs> so uh throughout those first 20 minutes we they kind of gave you an overview of all the agents that are out there well they cut to this agent doc 
who saves a guy who's getting freaking tortured by some other guys. And then he kicks those guys off and tells them that they need to walk back to Mexico. It's about 50 miles. And then he blows up this entire shack. And you don't know what the hell's going on. Um, Did you notice the little joke in there whenever he rescues the guy? He's like, yeah, the car's out that way or whatever. And he goes to pat him on the back saying he's going to be okay. Yeah, he pats him on the back and he's like, the guy's like, ah! So, yeah. (laughs) When that happened, the sadistic side of me went, meh! I laughed like out loud, did one of those like nerd laughs where I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good one. It's a good joke. I like when he looked, I laughed when he looked at his hand like, oh, gross. Right. <laughs> what okay. the hell am I doing here? So as cornball as this flick is, um, yeah. as cornball as Day of the Warrior actually is, and it is, it's really cornball. There's some real groaner moments in this film that yes. like, almost in made these, me want to shut it off. Both these films are really right. fucking bad. Right. But there are little moments like that where I can just kind of grab a hold and go, hey, that was entertaining as fuck. I'm going to keep going. And yeah. when we got up to this point where they're introducing all the other ones, I'm like, oh my God, what are we in for? This I almost texted you where I'm like, dude, this may be the worst one we're going to watch. I and know. I, I almost texted you and said, well, fuck doing two of these movies. All right. We're going to do one and just call it good. <laughs> right. And then... Um, then that back slap, like then looked at his hand covered in blood and then kind of yeah. looked at the camera like, oh fuck. That made me go, okay. All right. And I just kind of like relaxed a little bit, you know, yeah. like loosened up uh, the back muscles and unclenched the butt cheeks and went, we're good to go. Let's watch this movie. So kind of, if we're going to go by like the 20 minutes thing in this 20 minutes, another thing we're kind of getting is to know that tiger hasn't been on the field, but she's getting sent back out to work with Tyler, who the actor who played Tyler has been a guy who's been in the last few movies. Um, Once again, renaming, but basically he's playing pretty much the same character. And Tiger is almost a replacement for a partner, like a Vasquez character for Nicole or like a Terran type character where she would show up and have certain expertise that would come in handy for someone that's an ass kicker. But this is only because she hasn't been out in the field for a while because she's like, a computer expert right exactly yeah but she's actually apparently an ass kicker too it's just that she's been saddled at a desk right she's been saddled at a desk because she's the best at computers because you know we got abilene's in this organization that are fucking shit up well i don't even think abilene's are around anymore they got them the fuck out uh (laughs) which is probably all due to tiger and her vast abilities as a desk laden agent Yes. It has nothing to do with how unbelievably gorgeous that actress is. Not at all. No, not, not at all. So anyway, uh, their job will be to find Doc. Um, we cut to, we also find out kind of what all these bad guys who Doc's kind of hanging out with because Doc's undercover. Uh, we find out they're stealing art for the warrior. Um, and we find out the guy who Doc got was actually the bad guy, um, it's uh, his son. And this is the same bad guy who's been in now the last few movies. It's either Miguel or... Manuel. Manuel, thank you. Yeah, okay, so it's, it's this. Manuel. It's the Rodrigo Oberon or, yeah. or Obergron or, or however The guy who's been him. playing the bad guy in the last like three movies, it's him. Right. <laughs> and uh, He also was like the main sort of bad guy that got corrupted in the original Savage Beach. Like it's that same actor. Yes, that that same guy this guy's been in almost all these flicks yeah he pretty much has been in all of them like in some way shape or form even if he just had like a bit part he's shown up for all of them yes and um that's his nephew uh, and then we find out these are federales who is torturing them 
uh, and he had actually talked about uh, the, uh, the kind of everything. And when he was going to shoot him, he kind of hesitated. But his female partner uh, took it upon her hands and shot him dead. So um, then we meet the own because you're meeting all the bad guys. Now we get to finally meet the warrior. And they said they caught this guy running around they think he's a fed and he was really tough and took like 10 guys to take him so he throws him in the ring and the warrior promptly wrestles him and kills him uh i believe with a pile driver yeah it wasn't a very uh long bout but no 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 that shit went quick but you could kind of see what bagwell had to offer as a professional wrestler yeah, it wasn't all that great. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, we can bag on Bagwell all we want. That's absolutely fine. But he wasn't that terrible. Just entertaining-wise, and all he had was uh, he can make a really good bicep and call him stuff, buff the stuff. <laughs> that, that, I, I, I'm serious. That's all it was. Which is perfect for B-movies and Andy Sedaris films. Like yeah, buff, I mean, it, it made him very... Yes, he does belong in this movie. So... Uh, He also mentions they have a hacker inside Lethal named Hard Drive who's helping them get all this information they're getting. They say code Um, name, right? They say code name Hard Drive. Yeah, that's a code name, Hard Drive. Yeah. So the worst part is the two idiots come back as well in this first 20 minutes. They are not as bad in this as they have been in the past. Dude, they're worse, (laughs) in my opinion. They are so fucking worse. The wordplay is worse. The jokes they try to tell is definitely worse. But these guys themselves are significantly less annoying. It's just the dialogue they're giving is shit. Yeah, and I also say this. They're going to be better shots than a lot of the even agents (laughs) in the show. As The further we go in this, I mean, as Mark Smith, they're actually not half bad. Right. Well, uh, I mean, the warrior would not put up with the shit that the previous villains put up with on how bad these guys failed. Yeah, these guys so try better... to these guys try to like argue on whether or not they should be using uh, you know, this special device that's explosive martini stirrer or whatever. Yeah. And fucking Bagwell's just gonna like, you know, hold them in half <laughs> and throw yeah, them out right? of the ring. He's like, guys, um, you're gonna need to try harder. I actually so now, do. I do feel that the warrior is a lot more menacing than the other characters that we've had I, for the evil guys too. Well, yeah, because I mean, well, one was Pat Morita, uh, um, then the guy who took over as Jade, and uh, that also uh, I, the the warrior seems more menacing. And I will give Buff Bagwell some credit; he played him more menacing in this. Right. It like, felt like he was essentially looking for an excuse to kill anyone with his bare hands. Yeah. And even if his own men screwed up, they knew they would be on the chopping block. And I actually, I bought it. Granted, this is still corny as shit. It's in the context of how corny this film is, but I bought it. Like, Buff well, plays and, it well. And even later on, like, he finds out that um, for the, a character we'll meet here soon, Fu and Willow, are both black belt fighters. And so he's intrigued by that because he wants to be able to kill him with his bare hands. So, you know, he's in he's into hands-on murdering where kind of maybe the other villains are more cowards. He's more of a, no, I, I want I want the good guys to find me so I can fucking kill him. It's almost like <laughs> they tried to do this like honorable villain challenge where, because he even said to the one guy that was supposed to be a fed, he's like, you fight me and if you win, you can go. You'll you'll yeah. you'll be you'll you're out of here scot free. You don't have to worry about the, it. And you get the feeling he's being truthful there. I'll let you go. I don't care. Right. You get it. So it's almost like he's like this got this weird like Ronin samurai code that he's doing with this criminal well, oh, thing too. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, something like, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, that kind of ends the first 20 minutes. So there's your first 20 minutes. A lot of setup, uh, a lot of meeting the agents, knowing where they kind of are, what they're doing, and what they're infiltrating. And after um, the, the end of the first 20 minutes, would you say that was enough to try and propel you further through the film where you're like, okay, I, I think I can get uh, into this now? It wasn't until, I, I'll be honest, it wasn't until um, I, you get to see kind of the warrior wanting to be able to kill people with his bare hands. Then I was like, okay, this is a different kind of bad guy. He wants to do a whole lot of shit and, and kill people. So I, I thought that, th- the that bad, was interesting to me. I thought that the bad, like, short-lived wrestling moment where he kills the guy with a pile driver would have been enough to get you intrigued because you would have been thinking maybe i'll see more fighting later maybe yeah i was like hey, someone get this guy a wrestling belt you know let's let's really let's throw some pageantry into this huh <laughs> <laughs> we may have to actually do a wrestling movie at some point just to make you happy <laughs> no holds barred with hogan <laughs> what's that i smell dookie <laughs> <laughs> Pee? no <laughs> Uh, so anyway, in the next 20 minutes, um, we concentrate more on the idiots. They kind of open up the next 20 minutes. Uh, they had some lady there. They talk about how they're like into the stock market, but of course, cause they're idiots, all their stocks are failing. Um, and they had like two ladies there with them. So these two idiots somehow find two very attractive ladies that goes nowhere. So they had anyway, money. Uh, <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they, but these ladies are also, yeah, one of them kind of shows her boobs going that like, they're like, what's your GPA? And she's like a 38G or something. And you're like, oh, all right. All right. <laughs> Everyone calm down here. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and, um, so then, um, like, uh, we cut to, uh, Cobra is in deep cover and she's getting changed and, there's a whole theme song about Cobra here as she changes. It's it's fucking like a full on theme song for Cobra. Uh, I'm into it. I'm yeah, really yeah, really. I, w- into I wasn't it. mad about it. I was just laughing because the song was pretty fucking spot on. <laughs> yeah, uh, watching Julie K. Smith changing her outfit and then the song that goes along with it that basically is telling you everything you already knew about the character of Cobra anyway from the previous movies and then realizing that we just get to watch Julie K. Smith be one of the main good guys as her character of Cobra was a lot of fun in this moment. Anyway, through all this, while the theme song, all of it goes, she is, um, she meets a jeweler who gives her all these really rare uncut diamonds for Warrior. She gives him money, and then we see kind of how Warrior does things, because then after she leaves, an assassin comes in and kills the guy and takes the money. Yeah, so, so he's not see, paying for stuff. He's murdering no, people to not pay. He, he, gets, he gets work done and then kills the people who do the work, which, you know... That would lead to tell you that he's getting ready to retire because no one tries to keep a business going that way because eventually people talk. Well, some idiots do try to not pay for the things that they order and pay for, and some of them yeah. can actually be president one day. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going in fantasy world where even like the most like horrible person would even imagine that, but you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to ruin the Andy Sedaris reality with real reality. Yeah, th- can, can we go back to Andy Sedaris reality, please? It's so much more fun, and there's so many more better-looking boobs everywhere. Exactly. Then we cut to, we meet Fu, who is in Vegas, and we all know he's, Fu's been like the, the bad ninja guy for the last few times, so now he's a good guy. He and Julie must have a, a, a friendship, because they always play partners, no matter what. I liked their partnership in this, where it seems like... 
they are like an like they were a couple at one point in time and then it didn't work out and they remained friends sort of like a Maybe. bruce and demi thing <laughs> i got more of um um a mentor student type thing out of that all right i just automatically assume that everybody wants to sleep with julie strain you know maybe but i'd say i don't think she would with foo but (laughs) this is me (laughs) but i could see where we would both be like maybe she's into bald dudes and uh i was like bald dude with a long dark beard or goatee (laughs) kind of kind of really short standing next to julie strain and like looking like he's holding his own it gave me hope matt i I got i totally understand you know what I agree, Court. I totally agree. That's what happened. <laughs> I know it's not likely, but let me have this. <laughs> I'm going to let you have it, man. I'm going to let you have this. It's COVID. Uh, so, but he does, uh, I thought <laughs> at first I cringed during the Elvis impersonation. And then I started laughing. Almost like, I was like, God, this is going too long. And then it did go too long. And that made it funny. <laughs> You know Here, what I mean? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The The start of the Elvis impersonation is badly filmed. The yeah. the gyration of the hips doesn't match the song that they're playing, which is clearly not even really an Elvis song anyway. Yeah. Um, the Elvis impersonation that is actually doing it is terrible because he's just basically lip syncing to it. Um, then when they show the hands on the guitar, the hands are moving on the guitar, but they are not playing any notes and they are clearly not holding any chords or anything like even trying remotely to fake it, which means once again, badly shot. And then when they do the full reveal that it's the the character that we were talking about in you know foo who's doing this routine as elvis foo then you have the very blatant feeling of holy shit this joke is supposed to be racist yeah um but that's uh, i don't know if it's supposed to be racist because there have been so many elvis impersonators of all color and creed right that's supposed to be the the good thing about being an elvis impersonator is it doesn't matter what race you are right but you can do it calling himself elvis foo at first you're like oh what the fuck or at least i was that's how i responded (laughs) yeah but then I, I realized I, okay, I, I see that part. Then I then I realized the character goes by the name of Foo, which is Foo, still yes. fucked. I mean, somebody put that in a script and thought that that would be okay. Yeah, that that the name Foo would be fine to have. Right, and then yeah. the actor just goes for it so full bore that by the end of the really shitty Elvis performance, you realize he's undercover, and they do state he's undercover. And the reason that he's so terrible, and the reason that it looks so bad, is because he's supposed to be here as supposed to be undercover, so that he says that this is what he does for a living, and that's why he's there. But he also can't have accountability so the less people that watch him the better like and, and yeah that part of it is kind of cool and then he starts making a bunch of like references that are essentially racial jokes for a chinese person and they do this a couple uh, of times and i get listen, uncomfortable i have again. a clip coming up that i had to severely edit because of how racist it got <laughs> right so like this is all stuff that andy sedaris wrote and andy sedaris is 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 a, a really racist towards asian people people <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's that's a fact. Right. And then this Asian actor gleefully delivers the lines and looks like he's having some fun with it. So it's like kind of tongue in cheek. And I kind of yeah. wonder, like, how much of this stuff did they come up with? Because there are some comedians and actors that will use their own race to try and make a joke about things. And at the time frame that this happened in, in the 90s, this wasn't something that even anybody would really get all that worked up about, except for maybe me. But, no. you know. But not back, yeah, back then. I mean, you hate to say it was a different time, but I mean, it was a different fucking time where there were different sensibilities and we weren't smartened up 
to a lot of shit that we should have been smartened up to. It was a very much a less sensitive and caring about other people's feelings time. And while mm-hmm. some folks lament that that is a good thing that it was like that, I would say that it's definitely not. Not when it comes to making fun of somebody's race and orientation. That's just nothing. You know, that's just fucking horrendous. Yeah, it's punching down for circumstances of birth. We've talked about this before. And yeah. I'm sure the listeners are almost sick of hearing it. Yeah, well, okay. Anyway, we all know what happened. Willow and Fu, they actually then meet up and discuss the warrior. That's our next clip. This guy, Warrior. Who the hell is he, anyhow? The bastard was on our side. He was a world-class athlete, won gold medals in wrestling in two international events. He was a perfect candidate for the CIA. He did damn good work for the CIA in Russia for four years. Then the Cold War ended. Like many other agents, he was dismissed. His services were no longer needed. Warrior's mother was part American Indian. So after his Russian gig, he came back to this country. With his great athletic ability, he became a professional wrestler. In memory of his mother's heritage, he put on war paint and called himself the Supreme Warrior. With this masquerade, he was able to travel throughout the world as a professional wrestler. Through contacts he made when he was with the CIA, he set up a black market network. He was able to smuggle fine art out of Europe, especially from Russia, diamonds from Siberia, and gold and silver and precious artifacts from Mexico. The SOB's even into pirating porno films, and he's involved in furnishing women for clients in the Mideast. White slavery, if you will. Can you believe this guy? Yeah, I can. As we Asians say it, truth is stranger than fiction. I'm here because Shark and Scorpion have infiltrated his porno business. And now that the warrior has accessed our computers, their lives are in imminent danger. If we don't get to Shark and Scorpion fast, they're gonna get whacked. Since you were stationed here, I wanted to recruit you to help me find them before it's too late. The last time Shark contacted me, he said he and Scorpion would be working in an industrial park area but they did not know which one or where. Due to security reasons, I'm unable to make contact with them. Shock did say that they would be driving a white Audi station wagon with Louisiana plates. All we can do is hit it in the morning, try to find that white wagon and them. All right, so we kind of find out a little history on the warrior there. They do show and, a little bit more of him being a badass and doing his thing yeah. while they're describing it, and I didn't really need the dialogue. I think they did more than enough job to sell just how badass and evil he was at the beginning. I don't think they needed that. I felt like that was just there yeah. to cover all the footage they shot of Bagwell doing things that they didn't know what else to use and it for. I think it was also there to try to tell his backstory. Not, not that you need to know how badass he was but like where he came from like all his other shit yeah and the thing that's interesting about it really whenever you you kind of start to examine it too that could have been just julie strain's character telling foo you know like like uh, willow could have just been telling foo like about this guy that they're about to go up against and then they were going to use that anyway of just them talking about it but then they took her dialogue and cut it over top of him doing the things that he's doing like i said the stuff that they all probably shot but they couldn't find a way to use it otherwise so it just made a double 
thing of extending out the movie to the length that they needed running time wise using shots that they probably paid Bagwell way too much for to put him in the movie and then everybody else just kind of filled in with the, the story well, and, from there. And, and I think we said it best here and again I cut something horrific that was in there uh, that Julie said so I mean Jesus when I heard it I was like holy shit alright let's settle down everyone but um yeah, I, I, again, I think it, it, you could have had it's the same thing as a team meeting. But yeah, I think you're right that, you know, they had this so that they could show how tough Buff was because they shot a lot of shit with him. They wanted to use it. I mean, it was all decent enough footage, but I felt like you could have taken this whole sequence out of the film and dropped it down to a cool hour, 32 minutes as opposed to however long it took to actually watch all of that. Yeah, and then about an hour 40 um we're at like 136 yeah both of these are yeah. like one hour 36 minutes uh yeah so um uh, the, we cut we cut to tiger and tyler are now um working through they're they're d- like they're driving out and there's like um they do a really lame carson because tyler's from texas he goes wow there are a lot of trees here more trees than in texas where i'm from and just like okay and then she's like, well, she goes, how bare is it in Texas? You goes, so bare your dog can go run away for three days and you'd still see him. And you're just like, oh, holy shit, guys, let's settle it down. <laughs> let's let's please not do that. Is this where she picks him up and she's like driving that Ferrari or whatever? Yeah. Okay, this was one of the sequences that I had caught on Late Night Cable that I watched portions of. So I missed oh, there the, you go. I missed the stuff with um, Buff Bagwell and all of the stuff at the beginning, but I had picked up this movie basically from here forward. And the reason that um, I ended up watching it is because I knew Buff was in this. Like, not that I was a huge fan of his, but I just knew that he made the movie and I saw that it was on. And I think somebody like maybe like a TNT or whatever actually ended up airing these late night just because Buff was in it. And yeah. I believe it was after one of the WCW wrestling nights. It's like on a Monday or some shit. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. Because <laughs> I think it was like to try and compete against something that Raw was doing because Raw was going a lot longer. And I remember flipping back from the end of Raw over to TNT and then seeing the tail end of this movie from here forward. And my dad and I watching it and just laughing at it. I feel oh, like that. I'm sure. I, I'm pretty sure that that happened because I remember them doing some cross promotion with WCW on this. And I know that they mentioned it, that Buff was in a movie or something like that. And I feel like TNT did end up showing it later that night or something along those lines. I'm, maybe I'm fucking wrong. I don't know. It just I, That's how I kind of remember it being that we watched it after wrestling, knowing that Buff was going to be in it, and we checked it out, and yeah. we both promptly MST3K'd the shit out of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. That would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's all that. Um, so that horseshit joke, though, I was just like, oh, my God. So anyway... Uh, the uh, the uh, bad guy Manuel finds out that Austin is working both sides, so he says he's going to go ahead and take care of some of that because that has to be done dealt with immediately. And um, then also we because he's to- terrified of his fucking girlfriend there, who yeah. will kill him if he doesn't take care of the problem. Exactly. And then we finish off this twenty minutes with uh, Tiger and Tyler hooking up. So there you go. Uh, good luck, everyone. Uh- <laughs> All right. So. The sex scene with Miss Marks. Uh, we gotta, we gotta talk about this. 
All right. Um, I don't know how to do this without sounding like complete and total pig without mentioning just how amazing Shea Marks looks in it. So I'm just going to kind of try and talk around it as best as possible. All right. Um, I believed that she was engaging in sexual Congress. The actor that she was writhing on top of wasn't selling it as well, but there was a specific move that she kept doing that would pretty much finish off any man that's into women very quickly. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the grind. Well, there's that, and then the breast plummet into his face over and over again, where she is oh, specifically yeah. rubbing her breasts and tickling his face with them, nipples and all. And again, I fucking swear I saw a mouth and close all the way over a nipple, right? It, it could have. I mean... <laughs> but this sex scene got really fucking steamy really fucking fast and it's all because of Shay Marks. She sold this so well. She did such a great job and she was given no help by her co-star at all because I was I was like I was trying to pay attention to the actor when some of this stuff was happening and pretty much all you could see was the actor super happy that she was doing this to him and that was it. Yeah. That's all yeah. he was selling for her was that you know he was really happy to be underneath her while she was rubbing her breasts on him and stuff. The actual sex didn't look really but she sells it and makes it look like she's really being erotic for a good portion of it. And you could tell the filmmakers were aware of this because while they're doing the sex scene, they focus in on what she's doing. And at one point, they end up just hiding the guy behind her yeah. <laughs> for a good I portion mean, of it. It's just kind of like just no one's really here looking at you, buddy. So just, they, just let us. They did, however, take enough time to make sure that they panned up and down his body to show off all that he's got going on, including an extended... Uh, um, ass shot where he's kind of squatting down and making out with her and, and rubbing up on her. So there was a little something for the ladies and the gentlemen that are into looking at a new gentleman. There was at least that. This is the most balanced any of these movies have been for the male to female nudity ratio pretty much. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, congrats everyone. We all <laughs> won today. Uh <laughs> hey man, all I'm saying is Shay Marks sold this scene. Like that's the thing I want to drive home to everybody. Yeah. So, cut down, and we're at the next 20 minutes here. Um, the two idiots call Shark and Scorpion to, uh, you know, make a, a porn, apparently. But, it you know, it looks to be a definite setup here. Yeah, so um, Shark and Scorpion are undercover porn. Like, they're, yes. they're, they've been undercover agents in this porn operation. And Shark Shark is definitely way more, uh, w- way more into himself than he probably should be. Uh, <laughs> That's kind of a thing that they got going on with a lot of the male characters in this that I found kind of funny. Um, yeah. th- that that ongoing joke of the men that are like super into themselves. They do that in the next movie with another character, which I thought was really fucking funny. Uh, yeah. The, the the whole idea that they're undercover in a porn operation, unless they're doing illegal pornography, it doesn't make sense why they're there other than they're trying to take out Warrior. And it's one of his businesses that maybe he's filtering money through or laundering money through. It's definitely... Or, or well, we know he's also trying to... Uh, that he's been trying to... Uh, uh, well, he's been pirating pornos, so that's exactly why they're there. <laughs> it's not just because he's shooting his own, but he's pirating other people's stuff. Yes, apparently, because that's what they said, that he'd been pirating uh, fucking all sorts of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then uh, as uh, they're 
getting set to move out, there's a funny scene. Fu gets knocked out by uh, one of Willow's boobs. So I thought they were going to bring that back, and I was laughing my ass off when that happens because they were going through and kind of trying to do something. I can't remember exactly what type of work that they were doing, and he wasn't paying attention, and she just happened to like turn left or whatever, and her left tit hit him in the face and laid him out. And yeah, I, and I was like, okay, that is not only fucking hilarious, but that's a superpower I'm willing to believe that Julie Strain has. I, I, me too. I was like, okay, well, that's that's definitely something she can do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there is no argument here that can be accepted as valid. Julie Strain can knock people out with her tits. I believe that. I would believe that as well. That's that's just got to be how it is. I would volunteer um, to be the person to get knocked out just to prove that it is possible that she could do it. Uh, you know what? I don't doubt that you would. Uh, and, and we would all have fun. Uh, everyone would have a good time. So, <laughs> the best reason to be knocked out in your life. Yeah, right. Then uh, Willow asks for help, uh, but we find out that the head and the, you know, the, as of right now, they all think, so they all, all they know is someone on the inside is giving them up. And uh, the, the, all of a sudden, we kind of get this feeling that um, it might be their boss because uh, Willow tries to want to go get Cobra. He tells her that Cobra is on her own. So. Sorry about your luck. Well, and um, also he has an Australian accent, and it's a nation of criminals, right, Witch? And so, therefore, <laughs> no one can trust him. God damn. Some cold-blooded <laughs> shit right there. Um, <laughs> I jest because I love him. Yes, of course. Come on. We're not total dicks. <laughs> we are. But anyway, uh, so... Um, uh, let's see here. The bad guys are able to grab Austin. Or, well, no, I'm sorry. Cobra is then. Uh, uh, Willow doesn't listen. Warns Cobra. That same assassin who killed the diamond guy is getting ready to kill Cobra, but she's able to kill him. Um, the bad guys get Austin, uh, but Tyler and Tiger make the save before they can kill him. Uh, this 20 minutes is kind of like uh, getting all the team members out. Um, well, the, uh, the main crux of the story is that he's coming after all the people that could ruin his retirement that he's trying to set up here and the lethal agents he knew are onto him because they've been exposed. Yeah. And now the lethal agents are running to try and basically save their cohorts as best they can, and they're trying to get everybody warned before... They're trying to get everyone back to Dallas. Right. Before Warriors before. men or people that he's sending after these various agents can get to them, and they're still trying to pull out and win with this investigation and still take Warrior down, because they still have the evidence. They just need some of the art that he's stolen to make their Rico work, I think they describe, or something like that. And that's the last piece that they need, and so they're focused for this portion of it is get everybody out okay and regroup. That's the main yeah. chunk of this 20 minutes this, is that. This 20 minutes, yeah, it's a lot of that. Um, anyway, where I, where I kind of talk about how the idiots are better than in the previous movies, um, they are able to block off Scor Scorpion and Shark um, after Scorpion and Shark get some evidence. And also they make a porn, so you kind of get to see Scorp or, uh, Scorpion get naked. So th th there you go. Uh, anyway, they have a <laughs> shootout. It's Scorpion and Shark can't hit shit, but the two idiots actually wound them both. Um in this 20 minutes. And then... Uh, and you think they actually kill them because we don't see what happens yeah. after they get shot and well, we think they're you know, dead. Well, you know Shark's only shot in the leg, but Scorpion takes a round to her shoulder. 
And then when the guy's going to go finish him off, one of the idiots, that's when Willow and Fu show up and those guys run off. Um, well, getting shot in the leg could still be a death sentence because you got that femoral artery or whatever that runs through that's, it. That's true. But, all, uh, all it takes is for that to get nicked and you're done in a matter of minutes. That's true. And this twenty, But then after all that, and they kind of go, we still don't know how they are. Uh, we end this 20 minutes with uh, Cobra got back to Dallas and then her and Doc uh, bone in the shower. Thank so, you, movie. Thank you, movie. It's a it's a well done. It's well uh, done stuff. Now that sex scene in the shower with Julie K. Smith. Holy shit! Yeah. Uh, I said it before on the show, so I really don't need to go into super detail. But every sex scene I've ever seen Julie K. Smith perform in, and considering that she's in a lot of those Jim Wynorski like porn parody movies that were meant for late night cable, that was like you know uh, softcore porn that he made, like Bear Wench Project and Witches of Breastwick, I think is the one that he made. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, those types of movies, and Julie K. Smith's been in a few of those. Um, she always makes the sex scene feel very real and like whatever she's doing is something that she's really into she's very good at that type of performance quite well um, the other acting like I said I haven't seen her doing that until watching these movies uh, knowingly because apparently I've seen her in these films before because I'd seen this from you know after that section that we were talking about earlier on uh, where the she picks the guy up in the Ferrari and all that shit so my obsession with Julie K. Smith may be because I recognized her and I couldn't figure out why for the longest time whenever I saw her in the Jim Wynorski movies and it goes back to these movies the Andy Sedaris flick. It could be yeah so now we're cutting to the next 20 minute section of the movie um, The we actually open it up with Warrior yelling at the morons in our next clip Scorpion were only wounded and you idiots knocked out Pete and Charlie at my studio. They worked for me, you morons. Hey, we went there, we told them who we were, they got real pissy with us. Yeah, yeah, they showed us no more respect, man. We're college educated. My whole damn Vegas operation is up in smoke now. Well, who would have figured that Fu and Willow would have showed up? They were cool, man. Pros like us, packing heat. Yeah, yeah, and hand-to-hand with Fu and Willow was out. Word on the street is that they're both black belts. Really? That's very interesting. Well, I'm going to give you two monkeys one more chance. Go work out, get your bony little asses into shape. Your boy Doc got away too. We were attacked, surrounded by a small army. Not to worry, sir. All the items were previously taken to your cabin at the lake. There was nothing left at my camp to implicate our operation. Hard drive wants his money tomorrow. You know what to do. Everything's gonna be just fine. Just follow his orders. He can be brutal. By the way, where's your lovely associate, Kim? I left her at the hotel. She was gonna go shopping. Please, put in a good word for me with the warrior. Of course, Manuel. Don't worry. Manuel should definitely worry, but uh, uh, this was the scene where I talked about where he was really interested you know, to fight now the other two. So. Did, you, did you get the feeling the way that he's playing that where he almost gets turned on by the idea of killing people with his bare hands like that's what sex is to him? Kinda, yeah. 
I, I definitely, yeah. Because he's got yeah. this whole like serial killer ritual to it and everything that I think they're trying to establish, and like they they're really looking to make him seem like he's really like evil in a way that none of the other previous villains were. Like this is the worst threat. They're trying to make him more done. brutal, more brutal, definitely more brutal than any of the other villains. Yeah, someone who gets one off of the things on- I love though is that oh, we're college educated. Oh god, yeah. That their dialogue is grown worthy and painful, but they were much less annoying as uh they are in this to me. Yeah. Except for the stuff with them shooting the porno. That was them being back to their annoying selves. Yeah. Just shut up. Cause they're like, let's add noises to it. Oh god, that was horrible. Yeah. That was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> Where so, they're right. they're talking into the microphone and pretending like they're the ones doing that. That's not how overdub works. You overdub it later. Yeah. And if these people then, had been undercover in porn long enough, they should have known these guys were nowhere near professional and were idiots. Right. Uh also one thing we gotta know it here is that um, after they ask about Kim, uh, 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 Manuel's, uh, you know, uh, lady friend, we see her and her and warrior are hooking up. So s- sorry, dude, I guess <laughs> you're, you're not as special as you think. Well, and warrior sent her specifically to be a lookout and to honeypot the guy. And she's really yeah. good at it. Apparently. Apparently. Um, so then we cut to a full lethal tea meeting, and that is our next clip. All right, all right. Settle down, everyone. We're going to get back on track. Hey, track this, Jordan. You want to fire me? Be my guest. I can retire in two years, or you can can me now and pay me off. Four of us put ourselves on the line. We infiltrated the Warriors' top operations, and your department let some turncoat jerk-off give us up? Can I say something? Yeah. No, no, I mean something off the record. All right. Sure. I'm not so sure you're not the jerk off who fingered us. Me? You son of a bitch. Yeah, you. Who else knew what we were up to and how to access the master computer in Washington? What was it, Jordan? Money? What'd you get? 30 pieces of silver? You're crazy, Doc. The only person in this room that can access the computer is Tiger. I'm the only one as far as we know. But it can be done by any expert, given enough time, data, and access codes. Face it, Jordan. It could be you. Why did you get so ticked off when Cobra told you I contacted her on the red alert beeper? You could have compromised the whole operation. My call saved her life. You want to talk about Shark and Scorpion? The leak that put their asses at death's doorstep came from your end. It came from Washington. All right! Let's stop this. We aren't getting anywhere. I say, when we've arrested the warrior and this operation is over, you kick Jordan's ass on general principles. What about you, Dietrich? Have you got anything to say? I must advocate Jordan's feelings on this matter. The computer infiltration was an unfortunate incident. Unfortunate incident, my ass. Dietrich, you're not in the field dodging bullets. Come on, folks, what are we gonna do next? Well, let's consider our options. The wire obviously has a central computer office somewhere in the city. We don't know where. But what we do know, he has a home in the Knob Hill district of North Dallas, a very expensive gated community. He pretends to be a solid citizen, he frequents the arts and he donates to charity. Puts up a very good front. We know his primary contraband. Paintings, artifacts and gold were transported from Manuel's location in South Texas to a secluded barn on Lake Dallas. Those artifacts are priceless. 
The Las Vegas porno operation, that was small potatoes, just for kicks. The contraband from South Texas and the diamonds Cobra handled in Beverly Hills, that's his score. The warrior is consolidating. He's gonna make a big move soon, like out of the country. I can feel it. Tyler and I will stake out his place in Knob Hill tonight, see what we can come up with. Cobra, Tiger, and Foo can stay at our place, in case you need them. That'll be fine. Uh, Willow, I'll need you for a while longer. We have a hell of a lot of paperwork to cover. Sure. I'll get my files and be right back. You know, and a, a lot of threatening for, you know, uh, uh, the uh, of the boss right there. I don't know, man. Be like, who the fuck do you people think you are? <laughs> Yeah, it was a different time when you could, you know, throw down with your boss over the littlest dispute during a board meeting. Well, also, like, the we put our lives on the line. Yeah, that's kind of your job fucking descriptions, apparently. Uh, just saying, you went undercover. I think everyone's supposed to know that. You are uh, the league to enforce yeah. harmony and legality. Life on the line is kind of the bylaw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, kick his ass on principle. It's like, go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> your your acronym spells out lethal. I think yeah. that means your life may be on the line. Yeah. So then uh, they actually put a tracking device on the on their leader's car too after this meeting. Well, um, then uh, Doc and Tyler they go to I think like um, kind of go looking at uh, uh, the Manuel's base of operations. They're kind of trying to go and check it out, and the two idiots jump them with like this fucking construction uh, was it like a plow construction plow something like that right yeah i can't remember off the top of yeah. my head it, it, it pushes the car uh they're able to escape but again the idiots shoot and tyler gets hit in the leg so i mean the idiots are the best shots of the whole movie so far uh these two idiots in this film are the best shots of the entire series yeah y- totally I'm with you. I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. Good job, guys. You guys are doing some good work out there. They've had uh, snipers, snipers yeah. in this series that were not as good at shooting things as what these guys are. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. It's amazing. There's a reason uh, why the lethal agents have to use explosive arrows every time. Yeah, right. Because they, they can't hit shit. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, well, uh, after that gets done, well, we see why the boss man wanted Willow to stay behind. Uh, it, it's time to bone. They're, they're into it. So they, they, they have themselves some sex. And she even says, what do you think the group would do if they knew about this? And, and you sit there and you're like, uh, you know, weren't you just accusing him of being like a shit? <laughs> the best part is his response to that, where he says, I hope they already know. Otherwise, they're not very good agents. Yeah, right. It's just like, <laughs> you sit there, you're like, holy cow. Uh, all, right, all right, everyone. Let's, what are we doing around here? <laughs> I think uh, this sex scene probably should have waited until they resolved the issues with uh, him and and her as far as the accusation about whether or not he was dirty. Because this pretty yeah. much means that she will accept the fact that he may be a dirty uh, agent. Unless and she's still playing it him. that she knows. You think she's honeypotting him? No, that she's like... She's like, I know he's not a, a traitor, so I'm just, but I, she doesn't want her team thinking she's like, you know, fucking them, like, like not being on their side. So she's just going to be on their side. It's like uh, in front of them, I'm on their side, but I know you're not doing this. How Shit, much of I this think- is just us trying to make an excuse for a bad storyline that just threw sex it, in for no reason? 
a hundred percent. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Because I was trying to like do some mental gymnastics to justify this in my head, and me too, like all, a all whole I, lot. All I could come up with was they needed a sex scene with Julie Strain, and this guy was gonna do it. So there. Yeah, this Australian bastard got to do it. I mean, I don't. I, I've seen her do so many sex scenes with so many different actors and and actresses. Um, I'm fine. It doesn't matter yeah. who it's with. As long as Julie Strain's on screen, I'm good. There you go. Um, so then uh, we find out late after it's all done, the boss man wants Willow to meet uh, with an uh, undercover Interpol agent later. So uh, then uh, Willow and uh, or some Interpol agents, I'm sorry. Uh, and then uh, Willow and Fu, while they're going to meet with these Interpol agents, are actually taken hostage by the dummies. So, uh, again, the dummies, I keep calling them the dummies because their lines suck, but f- they have been the most effective part of any evil franchise in this whole entire series in this movie. Yeah, and I would say that what we talked about earlier is pretty much what nails it because Warrior would not accept failure, and they already failed once. If they failed trying to get these two, they would have been killed by Warrior for sure. And we also had a, a scene where they were working out, and that's just uncomfortable. Uh, it actually reminds me of seeing fucking people try to work out when I was in high school. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then they like do like four curls and then they start trying to check out their biceps if they had any. Or, or they grab the lowest weight in the entire thing for dumbbells. Like they grab like a five pound weight yeah. like dumbbell yeah. and then they're doing curls and looking at their muscles in the mirror while they're doing it like they're doing something amazing. Yeah, exactly. That All that shit. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, the- <laughs> and I'm not trying to I'm not like beefcaking no, or, or I mean, I'm not weight shaming someone. I'm just saying like I've seen people do that where like they're just doing there, a very a- lightweight just to look at themselves while they do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not talking about people who like are going in and have to start out slow. Like, you know, I'll probably have to again once I can go back to the gym. Uh, people have to start out slow because, you know, they're just getting back into working out or something like that. That's different. I'm talking about the people who are obviously checking themselves out and just want to see how good they look. <laughs> While also being completely wrong and their form is all fucked up and all they're doing is yeah. damaging themselves more than helping. Yeah. And mainly they're just skinny. They're not really in shape. Like they have no muscle mass of their own. They're just kind of skinny. So that's that's typically what those guys look like. Um, <laughs> then we find out Warrior is going to fight both at the same time to the death. Um, then as Jordan, who's the boss, and his right-hand man, who's kind of been hanging around with them, they go to meet the Interpol agents, and Jordan is shot by his own man. So then we find out this guy is hard drive. Um, Manuel and Kim then come, and they are loading a bomb in this 20 minutes towards the end. They're loading a bomb in for in the briefcase that's holding hard drive's money. And then uh, as they get there... We see that actually this was a trap for Manuel. Uh, Kim kills him, and they both drive away together or walk away together. So and blow up Manuel's car. So this is all a setup to get rid of him, not hard drive. Most likely because hard drive is probably still very useful. Well, there's that, and uh, there was some kind of talk in the dialogue about how Manuel had been trying to steal from Warrior and get away with it, like he'd yeah, been he siphoning had been funds or something. Yeah, I think so. You're right. Yeah. So, um, but all that is, it's just bad. Right. Um, I mean, it's, so, I, I would have accepted just that Warrior's condensing down his group and he's doing the double cross yeah. and, you know, these folks did it because they didn't want to die. That's why they killed him. Yeah, exactly. And, but uh, that's the end of that 20 minutes. Then we go into the, like, the last 20 minutes of the film. Um, 
uh, in this, everyone's now starting to kind of we're gearing up for the the final battle. Um, Jordan shows up with the rest of the group. Uh, we see he had a bulletproof vest on, so he's alive. Um, we see the bad guys; they're loading up and all that shit. And the air idiots decide to take a boat to check out the area to make sure it's clear. Um, the wrestling match begins. I love when that right when he's saying he wants to fight her to the death, she keeps growling at him. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Julie Strain in this is the perfect level of cornball cheese and still menacing. Because yeah. yeah. there's parts of that growl that are actually pretty intimidating, but then she does some <laughs> weird motion or facial tick with it to make it funny, too. Yeah. And there's like a couple of moments like when she gets ready to start the fight, she actually does the the crane technique. Yes. Where she jumps up in the air and as tall as Julie Strain is, when she puts both of her arms up and then stands on one leg to do the one leg up in the air, she towers over Bagwell in a way that I'm like, holy fuck, she's about to kick his is, ass. Bagwell ain't a tall guy. Right. He's just <laughs> not. So, yeah, it, that's hilarious. But and then the fight's kind of funny. Fu keeps trying to, you know, do, like, he'll do, like, really good, like, blockings of punches. But then if he hits him in the stomach, it hurts him, you know? And, and then they're both just getting their asses kicked. Um, this was actually kind of cool. It reminded me of the fight at the end of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live action movie where... Oh, uh, where they face off with the Shredder and they all kind of get their ass whooped. Yeah, they're getting their asses whooped and they're t- he's basically like, Shredder knows he's got them so much that he's playing with them and he's just standing yeah. there and then letting the next one come for him. And then they basically like paper, rock, scissors or they're catching their breath. <laughs> my, and he's my just favorite standing part about there waiting. That, yeah, my favorite part about that is when they go, okay, when did we exactly lose control here? <laughs> That's still a great line in any movie. Right. When did we exactly lose control? <laughs> and this this fight, there's a couple bits of dialogue where they're talking like that back and forth. Yeah, where yeah. Jimmy Strain and oh. him and, and Fu are trying to formulate a plan. Oh, where she goes, she goes, he goes, he's going to kill us. And she's like, be positive. Okay, I'm positive he's going to kill us. Right. Like, some of that dialogue was actually pretty funny. And the way that they did this, this fight scene... And the, all the stuff that happens in the ring with Bagwell and Julie and Julie Strain's character of Willow and who all worked for me and was really funny and made the last portion of the movie, just like any complaints I had, kind of melted away with how much fun I was having in well, this like section said, with all the action. I wrote it down. I go, she is really outdoing herself in this one. It is really good. All right. So <laughs> if this was the first movie that you happened to have noticed Julie Strain in, you would have definitely fallen in love with her like I have then. I would And I would also have been like, she must be a comedic actor who just happens to be you know pretty <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah well this is the julie strain that you will see in plenty of movies from here on out um yeah. this is this is like the sort of character that she always types tends to play as sort of his tongue-in-cheek looking at the camera winking and you know nodding and like saying hey come on let's have some fun and here are my tits that's kind nice. of that's been her most of her career for me you know but there's some that's horror that. stuff that she has done that's been very serious and she's actually quite an excellent actress but like she tends to like this kind of comedic and fun role. I think it's just fun for her to, was fun for her to do, so that's why she chose it. And we talked about it earlier. I said I remembered seeing her fight in a one-piece bathing suit that has like an American flag, but in this yeah. case it was actually a skirt with like a tied like top bikini top that she was fighting in. And the thing that I remembered was that that crane technique kick when she does that and like she towers over Bagwell, like that's the thing that I remembered so much like about her in the this series. So, and I think I I brought that up like episode and episodes ago, but I didn't want to say who it was against because I didn't want to ruin the surprise for you that we're going to have yeah, to deal with Buff that it Bagwell. Was buff, yeah, that was Buff the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um. So okay, all that's kind of the wrestling match is happening, and that gets intercut with. Uh, the rest of the team kind of infiltrating Manuel's area where they're trying to unload all of 
warrior's items. And uh, the two dummies get blown up on their boat, but they live through that. Um, yeah, they said all they have to show for all this work they've done is singed underwear, which was the only yeah. funny line they've ever delivered in any of the movies they've been in. Agreed. And uh, there's lots of gunfighting in this last 20 minutes, of course. Lots of it. Uh, one guy hides out in a fuel storage area to shoot at the team, so he gets blown up because he's in a fuel storage unit. <laughs> it's also the same fuel storage unit that got blown up a few movies ago that they reused the blow-up footage for. That That's true. That's also true. Uh, so then... Um, the team then comes all together and they take down uh, the warrior all together in the ring. And uh, there's been a lot of off my chest jokes in this. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. The, like, getting that something was the off running my chest. joke. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like one. I got to get something off my chest. <laughs> one of the actresses said that before she popped her top, which I believe yeah, wh- was uh, Shay's character said that before she popped yeah. that really awesome leather top that she had. And then, One of the guys said that while Cobra was lying on top of him. So. Yes, um, right after their sex scene. And then yeah. Julie Strain delivered that as well somewhere else before this. And then that's the final thing that she kind of says at the yeah. end of the fight. Because Bagwell's character, the warrior, is like knocked out. And I thought she knocked it's, him out with her tits, it, right? Uh, that, they all kind of did. And then he fell on top of her. Okay, see what they should have done is they already established that she knocks people out with her breasts. She should have hit him with her tits. Should have. It's yeah. perfect for a Nandy Sedaris type humor. That should have been the coup de grace that takes him down. You would have thought. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, anyway. It's just uh, a missed so the- opportunity is all I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> the rest of the team meets up. They're on a riverboat. They're all relaxing. Uh, everyone uh, has gone well for everyone. They're all drinking. And then Fu Elvis shows up for another performance. And we roll credits. <laughs> All right, so we kind of broke it down the way that we were kind of discussing. Um, doesn't feel like we saved a whole ton of time on this because we still got a lot of stuff to talk about with the movie and pieces. But <laughs> we're at nine o'clock, but we get into shit sometimes, <laughs> right? But that's that's what it is. It's fine. Um, yeah. I, I really don't have much more in my summation other than Buff was shockingly better than I remembered him in this. I remembered him being absolutely terrible. Um, when it comes to the acting, he's not so great, but when he's doing the physical menacing, menacing stuff, he's really good. And, and he's he learns- not even so bad at the acting part. Some, Not for a Sedaris flick. Right. Well, the dialogue that he delivers at the beginning of the film, I have a really hard time buying him. But by the time we get to the end of the film, it feels like he really picked up and learned his craft a little bit better or maybe was working with some of the other actors and got better at what he was doing. Like all Sedaris stuff, when it all comes to a head and all the action kicks in and the dialogue that's happening there, all of that stuff was really well done. It really pulls itself out. And I was actually very happy with the way that the film turned out by the end of it and while this isn't going to be at the top of my list i don't dislike it as much as i remember disliking it yeah yeah this uh i don't dislike this at all it was a a, a kind of a fun flick to watch i would say that the main reason to watch it is if you have a thing for any of the particular actors or actresses in the movie that you want to see because all of the bodies all of the beautiful bodies are prominently displayed on screen at almost all times in various forms of disrobe including a disproportionate amount of time of Bagwell being dressed like Tatanka in a very problematic outfit that says that he even though they said his character was half Native American that's still appropriation of the highest order because Buff Bagwell isn't right and he was basically dressed like to talk with the full headdress and everything yeah. and that was that was kind of the most negative stab at the movie but that i can again, think of really you can't put our modern day 
understanding the life against that a movie that came out that long ago. Right. And it's basically just tits ass, stupid action film for fun. And, you know, here's a bunch of beautiful bodies on display. And when you go into the movies with that expectation, this is on par with the other ones. It's certainly not the worst. And I definitely enjoyed it way more this time around. So I'm happy yeah, with it. I agree. I, I think this is a pretty good flick. All right. So I think that pretty much wraps that up. We're going to move on That's to true. Savage Beach, right? Savage Beach time. But first, we're going to play a little promo oh, all right. for another podcast because we're not going to do the news this week. We're just going to do the next movie. Yeah, yeah. We're not. Uh, we're no news this week. And we'll have a little bit more music when we come back. We will have the trailer for a return to Savage Beach. Taste colors beyond any known spectrum as phonic euphoria cascades into your consciousness. Observe the laws of physics no longer applying to an existence that confines. Space and time will unravel and reform to a screaming new dawn, bursting with infinite possibility. It's as easy as listening to the Corrupted Youth Podcast, where the father-son duo of Dan and Brennan explore the latest blockbusters, classic genre films, and the schlockiest of Golden Age VHS rental store flicks in spoiler-heavy fashion. Corrupted Youth Podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Take a break from reality, unlock your infinite cosmic potential, and become a dongle. like you should be wearing some sweats in the gym that are you know cut in the yeah. neck so that drapes off the one shoulder some mirrored or neon sunglasses <laughs> very very 80s which is weird because both of these movies are in the 90s yeah right the right. 90s the 90s the 90s did get to uh uh Sedaris films until the early 2000s <laughs> So, well, actually, the one we're about to play the trailer for is the last Sedaris film. Andy Sedaris, master of babes, brawn, and bullets, takes you on an adventure you won't forget. Return to Savage Beach. This is a major bust for our lethal force agency. A billion dollars in gold and a million ways to die. Those agents will be in for a surprise once they find the island. Which ending does the story have? What happened to the call? There are hundreds of uncharted islands. Good luck, ladies. This is it. It's time to kick ass and take names. That really hurts. They know that we're on to them. 
Let's do it. The hidden treasure is only one of the surprises in store for you when you return to Savage Beach. Peak of Boom. Yes. We'll all drink to that. <laughs> return to Savage Beach, an Andy Sedaris film starring Playboy Centerfold, Shea Marks, Carrie Westcott, and Penthouse Pets Julie K. Smith and Julie Strain as Willow Black with WCW's wrestling sensation Marcus Buff Bagwell. All right, so there's that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we begin in the first 20 minutes of this one. We get a satellite launch. We're back in Hawaii with KSXY Radio, so that's back now. Yeah, our character of Ava is back, but nobody yep. else is there. It's just her. Just her. Um we uh we get a scene where we see all the safe houses uh that you know one that Tyler and Tiger in Doc and Cobra in another one. Uh Ava starts warning Tyler and Tiger of a gun running uh situation in Texas. In this first 20 minutes, there's a record number of boobs for the first 20 minutes of a Sedaris film. There just is. Yes. That's a fact. Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed with how many boobs he was able to snag into this film and literally nothing else. Yeah. At least for the first 20 minutes anyway. Like, all the other stuff, it felt like they were trying to do callbacks, and it felt like he was trying to make the ultimate Sedaris film, but, like, everything kept hitting the mark, and I couldn't tell if it was just the franchise fatigue of me realizing this was the last one, or because I sat through Day of the Warrior before this, but, like, all the stuff that they're trying to set up, like, the sexologist code that they're talking in, where we already know what she's being told, so Ava has to code it into some weird sexologist, sexy Dr. Ruth-style talk, and then the people that she is sending the codes to hear what she has to say and then they translate it back to us saying the exact same thing that the person that told Ava what they she needed to report to do yeah like, yeah exactly <laughs> it was really but frustrating she talks in astrology slash sex advice yeah she says sextrology like way too many yeah. fucking times and that really irritated me and not just because I'm a morbid skeptic yeah of course not I mean there was, that was like 75% of why it irritated me the other 25% of that was because I really hate the term sextologist or whatever she tried to say yeah well anyway Tyler and uh, Tiger they break up this gun running and accidentally blow up their own boat as well in the process um so and then to end this first 20 minutes a woman dresses up as a pizza like delivery girl and uh she gives pizza everyone was also drug filled sodas and they all pass out in the HQ and they and she hacks the satellite system or they're at least their system of notes the super spy organization with one guard at an elevator and then two ladies that work the rest of it cuz the office is empty empty <laughs> yeah yeah well they're all out trying to Hit the gun runners. Right. The office is empty, and she drugs three people with four ginger ales. Yes. Um, and so because of that little story that happened in a full 20 minutes, that's just how many boobs are around. Just to let everyone know. <laughs> it's literally every uh, female that's on screen starts off topless and then gets dressed yeah, on screen for us. Pretty much. Um, in the next 20 minutes, we actually have the team checking in at HQ, and that's our first clip. What happened? There were only three of us here. The rest of our people were out backing you up. We were all knocked out by some gal posing as a pizza delivery person. One of our obsolete computer files was broken into. Come with me. Look at this, Tyler. Whoever broke in here made a copy of this disk. I can tell by the information on the readout. Now this shows a large area in the Pacific. Points out where many naval battles took place during World War II. This stuff is ancient history. This archive is quite old. And you're right, Tiger. 
It dates back to World War II. I'm somewhat familiar with this case. It deals with a shipment of gold, which was confiscated from the Philippines by the Japanese army during the war. The shipment was to be taken by boat to one of the Mariana Islands. A storm forced the boat off course, and it crashed on a small, uncharted island. No one could find the boat or the men for over 40 years. Two of our operatives, Don Hamilton and Taryn Kendall, were returning to Hawaii from Knox Island, where they delivered medicine to help control an epidemic. They too met with a terrible storm and were forced to land on that same remote, uncharted island, since known as Savage Beach. Beach? Savage, because on that island, they were attacked by armed bandits who had accessed a military computer, a computer which had analyzed and pinpointed the island. Donna and Taryn managed to escape after a major shootout with the bandits. What happened to the gold? It was returned to the Philippine government. Yeah, but how does all this fit in, and why would this file be of interest now? The leader of the bandits betrayed the Philippine government. His name was Rodrigo Martinez. He was close to my father. My father was with a Brazilian embassy based in Manila. One day, my father received a diary and several boxes of documents from Martinez. These items arrived a few years after the Savage Beach incident. My father gave me the diary before he died. It's a chronicle of how a good man can go bad. Martinez was a respected man from one of the most prominent families in the Philippines. He had splendid political alliances, but he took the wrong path. There was a gold medallion in the diary. My father told me that it was for me, for Martinez. I've worn it ever since. When I was assigned to the Lethal Force Department, I put the diary in Cobra's safe house in Beverly Hills, along with several of my other personal belongings. You know, Tyler, it's all coming together now. The terrorist group was a diversion. We had them nailed all the way. Yeah, but the terrorists were set up too. Finding them was too easy. We wiped them out, bang, bang. They even stole our boat. I don't think getting dead was on their agenda. Sure, we go after them, leaving the office virtually wide open. We've got to get in touch with Commander Black and fill her in on this. We should also contact Cobra and Doc. They can bring the diary to us. I'll hit the computer satellite fax and fill everyone in. All right. So, um, in this 20 minutes, we get a lot of good stuff from Cobra dancing as well. And then we also see uh, our bad guy, Martinez, who is, of course, the same guy who's been the bad guy in a lot of these things. He is now doing karate in a Phantom of the Opera type mask. Uh, the pizza lady meets him, and uh, after telling him like what she was able to get done in the headquarters, uh, they they bone. Uh, can, we, so, can we talk about Pizza Dude? Or, or, or pizza lady? Pizza lady, and, and uh, well, mostly I just want to talk about Phantom of the Opera mask. Um, yeah. Of course. I have watched some really, really low-rent versions of Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. I have seen some of the most draggy versions of Phantom of the Opera and with the worst possible imaginable mask. This mask takes the cake. Or worst <laughs> I mean, looking face mask. Number one, it's tidy. It's a tidy little mask. So if he does have scarring, it's not very significant. Right, he's got a small amount of scarring for being whatever Blown, happened to him. Yeah, we yeah don't whatever know happened yet. to him, we don't know yet. Yeah, but like, if he's supposed to be so horribly scarred, it's in such a small area that one wonders if perhaps a prosthesis of this magnitude is even needed. 
(laughs) It it is not. Like, could you not maybe, I don't know, just slather some cover-up makeup on the thing you're worried about or perhaps have a prosthesis that just glues in place that makes it look like you have a full face? Yeah, something. Help us out. Like, this mask is overly dramatic for whatever injury for as small as it is, and it doesn't work for the face of the actor, and it cuts around his mustache instead of covering the whole half of his face like it would if he were truly disfigured like a Phantom of the Opera style on the half of his face. So, like, it's just a miserable failure all the way. And is this when they throw down? Is this when he throws on the cape to throw down with her, too, and and a hat? Yeah, they throw out a cape and a hat, and they dance, and then, yeah. And then she immediately takes the hat off of him, throws it to the side, and then, like, he's getting it on with her with the cape. Like, everything about this sequence is a miserable failure and awful. Oh, it's it's horrific. The only thing that's, Uh, like, even redeeming value-wise is the actress gets naked. That's the only thing I can think of that would make me ever want to watch this sequence again. I don't blame you. Uh, (laughs) Because it is really, really bad. Um, then after all that, um, in this, in this section, uh, everyone starts getting jobs to do. Doc and, uh, Cobra, uh, are set to go get Tyler's dad's diary. Um, then Willow meets our new agent, which turns out to be the released warrior in our next clip. Look, Willow, believe it or not, the guy I killed was not a fed. He was in fact a serial killer roaming the college campuses of the Southwest. Your people gave me a commendation and a reward of $100,000 for taking him out. Well, what about all the money and treasures you stole? I spent three months in Lompoc Prison. Oh, that country club. You wouldn't say that if you ate there. You know, we busted our asses to put you away, and you do three months' time. I can't believe you. You are such a show-off. You're almost big enough for me to find attractive. Baby, do not forget, no one could ever love me as much as I love myself. (laughs) Now, this is where they just basically let Buff Bagwell off the leash and said, just be Buff Bagwell. Just be Buff. They they let Buff be the stuff right here. Uh, That's a line that I have heard him deliver so many times or something similar to that where he does the little mug at the camera and then he pops his muscle up and then kisses at it, you know? I'm just saying, if we're going to go all 90s fucking (laughs) wrestling on this episode because Buff's in there, this is... You are not wrong. This is not wrong. If you hire Buff Bagwell, this is what you should let him do is just fucking be Buff Bagwell and have a good time and write a character around that. And I I love the turn they did on Warrior to make him like this real cocky guy that maybe made some bad choices, but is going to try and turn a new leaf. I I like what they did with this character here. Same here. And I'll tell you one thing, though. So for everyone who's like, well, for everyone who gets mad when they hear somebody say, well, girls only like, you know, dicks. This is why we say that, because while this is fictional, that's not always that that happens in real life. Oh, you're so cocky. That's so cute. It's adorable. I, I don't know. It, it's it, yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily that women only like dicks, but there's a certain amount of confidence that really kind of projects for most people that you know you would be attracted to someone that is more confident in themselves and proud of themselves yeah. or whatever. Like that just tends to happen. We're like, oh, it looks like they've really got themselves together. You know that even if they're dickish about it, <laughs> right? There have been plenty of girls in my past that were very much confident and happy with themselves and who they were that I let walk all over me. <laughs> And sometimes yeah. ask them to if you catch my drift. All right. <laughs> why, why did I just like that for you? I don't know. All right. 
Because secretly you just want me to be happy, Matt. I really do want you to be happy, Court. It's not a lie. I I really want that for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on. We're running out of time Uh, here. uh, Yeah, we really are. All right, so anyway, um, so all that's kind of happening. Then they meet Fu, and we have a funny little ninja attack in this 20 minutes. It's funny. Um, And then we even get a mention of Donna back in the old days. Uh, cause Buff sees this model airplane and he thinks it's just the coolest thing he's ever seen. And that was for, uh, uh, uh that was in honor of Donna and being one of the first agents. So it was a pretty cool little throwback here. And you remember when I said during Savage Beach that they probably built a model to do some of the shots with the lightning and the plane flying and everything. Cause it yeah. looked way too good to just be like stock footage in at night. That's uh-huh. the fucking model that they used. They found a way to repurpose it. It was a model that was built to pay tribute to Donna. Huh. There you go. Yeah. Um, so uh, we go into the next 20 minutes now, and that starts with a nice little dirt bike chase after the diary is stolen. But the team is able to get it back in the chase, and we get blowing up a lot of shit with remote control cars. So, I mean, that's, you know, the remote control car aspect is back as well. Yeah, they're pulling the greatest hits, and they're even actually doing like a clip show thing with some of the stuff when they talk about Donna Hamilton and Taryn and all the stuff yeah. with Savage Beach that we're going to see in this next 20 minutes. And then in the previous 20 minutes, they kind of alluded to it as well. Uh, this is why I was kind of saying like this is almost like a thing where they knew this was going to be the last one they made. This is going to be a swan song. And it just it yeah. feels like they're trying to really pull out all the stops for that. But there's a lot of points that miss. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, all right. So all that is going on. Then uh, they are able to find uh, where Savage Beach is located after finding uh, a hidden disc in uh, the diary they have. Uh, then uh, Tiger and Tyler decide to go ahead and they're going to bone because that needed to happen in this 20 minutes. And then we have a team meeting and that is our next clip. As you know, smuggling and looting was a way of life for me before I got busted by Ms. Willow and Foo here. From what I've been able to gather from my former associates millions of dollars and other treasures, including a priceless gold boot of filled with diamonds, was confiscated by the Philippine regime. Most of the money that was siphoned off in the hundreds of millions was laundered through U.S. banks, offshore resources, and unlisted Swiss accounts. Donna and Taryn thought Martinez had died on Savage Beach. That's not so. My Japanese connections have informed me that he survived an awful explosion, but he was seriously injured. He managed to return to the Philippines. Once he got back to the Philippines, he made contact with his political powers. He ingratiated himself and convinced them that he could keep the stolen goods safe until they retired or voted out of power. The location of the island requires a lot of programming. I hope I can make sense of these coordinates. Martinez is the man my father knew. He concealed the second disc in the diary he sent to my dad. Yeah, but do we know that's the only copy of that disc? Obviously. That's why we've been attacked by these bastards. Tiger and I will take the seaplane to get there. I'll put the package together. I'll make another copy of the disc for our use on the plane. We'll patch them into the navigation autopilot. That should guide us right to Savage Beach. What about Tyler and me? It'll take a lot of fuel, Doc. And if you haven't noticed, you guys weigh more than we do. Warrior! You and Fu should stay here and protect Ava's operation. Doc, Tyler, and I will sail there. You guys up to that? Yeah, sure. I was born for water sports. I'll help you through it all, pal. By now, 
The agents have gotten the second disc to a computer and are preparing to go to Savage Beach to find the stolen treasures. <laughs> Those agents will be in for a surprise once they find the island. It'll be well worth it, my love. I want to be a part of you, to help you. My first assignment for you, after we finish our business here, is for you to pay a visit to our friend Tyler. Why can't I see behind your mask? What do you hide there? Someday, my dear, I'll reveal everything to you. But for now, there are parts of you I want to reveal to me. <laughs> All right. Okay. Phrasing? Phrasing. Are we doing phrasing anymore? Clearly, Return to Savage Beach is not doing phrasing. Because did that guy not say something about water sports being his life? Yeah. Clearly, yeah, I mean, he's related to the president, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's uh, that's why the... Oh, Jesus. It's a uh, thing. Next thing you know... Yeah, it is a thing. Next thing you know, you'll be paying off a porn star. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brother. Let's move on. All right. All right. Uh, so... Anyway, after this team meeting, uh, in this 20 minutes, we get more ninja attacks, and um, they jump them, and Tyler's actually kidnapped, and as are the deaths they have. Is it just me, or were there ninja attacks in this that were, like, shockingly bad to the point where they just, they start pulling guns, and the ninjas are like, yeah, fuck stealth, and they start shooting yeah, people. Yeah, just gonna, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> yeah. That was so laughably bad. They, I'm like, they, why ninjas, bother being a ninja if you're gonna pull a gun? The ninjas went full Indiana Jones. Yeah, there was no stealth. They rolled no. They rolled a critical failure for stealth and pulled weaponry. Like, yeah. to shoot. That's it. Yep. So, anyway, um, after they come to realize that Tyler's been kidnapped and the discs have been taken, well, of course, they're all concerned. So, Willow takes Warrior and they bone. Because that's what you do when your mission is pretty much boned. You you go bone. So, good for, good for them. I, I don't... It's a, it's a weird thing to do, but okay. Um, Buff Bagwell cannot act like he's fucking very well on screen. He... No. <laughs> Not at all. That was so bad. Julie Strain like, is doing some of her he's best. He's even work. looking at himself in a mirror. That was funny. That was actually that funny. Was. Where he's supposed to be that conceited that he was like checking himself out to get turned on before he moves on. Uh, Julie Strain doing what Julie Strain does really well in the sex scenes. Like she's incredible. She's selling it really, really well. And Buff Bagwell is just underneath her or behind her or beside her or whatever position they're in. Sucking all of the oxygen and all of the eroticism out of this scene. He has basically moved up to the top notch of worst sex scene actor in a Sedaris film, and he has knocked poor Eric Estrada down. Yeah, Eric Estrada's done, man. We've seen He's two good. horrible sex scenes with Erica Estrada in it where he was not selling it at all and looked awful. And Buff yeah. Bagwell is so bad. His one performance here in this sex scene is worse than two horrible performances of Eric Estrada laid together as a, as entry number two is second worst sex scene. Yeah, right. I, I just I couldn't really believe it. It was that bad. Yeah. Um. The only time I have a problem with someone acting against Julie Strain in a sex scene is when they do it so badly they take away the beauty of what she is doing, and Bagwell yeah, exactly. ruined it. 
So, uh, okay, all that happens. Bad guys take Tyler and they head into a submarine. A cool-looking submarine, too. This movie had a budget. Both of these two movies yeah. were shot really well and had some great uh, footage that none of the none of the fucked up like film footage that we'd seen before. Like all the stuff looks great. They might have shot it on digital, for all I know. But yeah, when the submarine cropped up, I'm like, I my first thought was, holy fuck, they put a budget behind this, and I'm like, no, he knows someone who had this and got it for free. It's but it's still a cool-looking submarine. I mean, you know they never drove it once, but it's a cool-looking submarine. What was awesome was the underwater shots where you see them actually traveling and you can see what's underwater. Because it's one of those tourist submarines that they would take, like, to go around an island to show you the underwater life so you don't have to do the scuba diving yourself. You're just riding in the sub. Yeah. And, I mean, it was cool looking, though. Yeah, and it looked great. Um, all the footage with it that was shot was awesome, like because they shot it all from the inside of the sub, and they're in an actual sub where they're shooting it, so the camera angles are a little wonky. But the best footage is when you're following the pilot, the person who's driving the sub, and you're seeing that big fishbowl that's in front of them with all the underwater shots. And they get some really cool shots of underwater aquatic life while they're traveling, and they really got their money's worth if they paid for it. And if they got it for free, this is huge production value. Yeah, I uh, I thought it was really, really cool. And so that was the end of the that 20 minutes. So we go into the next. We get lots of more submarine stuff, and also the team getting set for their job and to try to save Tyler, all this kind of stuff. Um, so, of course, during all of this, uh, Cobra and Tiger decided to go for a topless swim because it's what you do. It's what you do when you're waiting. This it's what you do. film with this sequence with them swimming where they go scuba diving in the bikinis and then drop their tops because they're clearly too restrictive for them to be able to swim out in the open was a level of eroticism that I was not ready to deal with. There was, yeah. uh, I want to back up. There was one other thing that did happen in the sex scene that was great where Julie strain is being whipped around the pool, like where she's laying back and then like going back and forth across the water where Bagwell's moving her back and forth. Uh-huh. And the water's going all over her body and lifting up her breasts and her hair's going all this different direction with it. And it's the flow of the water. They shoot it in a really slow motion sequence for just that moment when they're doing it. And it actually looked incredible. It was really well shot and it was very erotic. And then they ruined it by focusing in on Bagwell side of things with it, um, where they could have just used that shot and it would have just been incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, having said that, I was like, holy shit, they're not going to top that. That is the most erotic underwater or water involved, like sexualization of a female that I've seen. I'm, uh, you know, in this film and I'm not going to see anything better. We get to this sequence where they're swimming underwater and oh my gosh, it's extended when they drop their tops and they're swimming around scuba diving underwater with all the aquatic life around them. And they just really film their bodies so beautifully. They They focus in on certain aspects of it and the way that the motions are going. Whoever did the underwater photography knew what they were doing, and this sequence is amazing. If I ever watch this film again, it's going to be specifically to watch this sequence. Not just because it's erotic and it's fucking hot as shit, because it totally is, but the two of them swimming in sync like that was really wonderfully shot, and it's a testament of excellent filmmaking, and I'm shocked that they were able to achieve that with Sedaris' movie. Like, it was really impressive. I I thought it was yeah it was a nice little the underwater trick was uh, was really cool. The only other synchronized sort of underwater naked swimming I've seen that I found more erotic and awesome than this was in Piranha 3D. <laughs> really? 
I mean, are you being facetious here, or are you like being honest? No, I'm I'm being dead serious. Uh, I saw it in theaters in 3D, and there are these two very lovely women swimming completely stark naked, synchronized swimming, and it's done to like this operatic singing, and it is so well shot. And they actually do a choreographed like underwater dance together, and it's absolutely erotic and beautiful, and so well shot. And I'm shocked that it was in Piranha 3D, but it was really well done. And nice. this is as far as underwater naked ladies swimming right there number two <laughs> it's like it's just <laughs> below that you know there you go all right well um then moving on from all this um uh you know, throw the swimming everything uh you get a lot of jobs set up and stuff and uh, uh at that point willow and doc they find the ladies after they land and they uh then they the ladies tell them that they found the treasure so then uh, there is a shootout because uh, the bad guys find him, and it appears that Tyler gets shot right in the chest, but the bullet actually caught his medallion. And it seems like that bad lady, who was the pizza lady, is very concerned at trying to save his life. Um, then we get uh, lots of blowing people up with arrows, you know, blow up arrows uh, in remote control cars. Lots of blowing shit up. As we talked we before, lots- the Sedaris film's greatest hits all packed into one movie. Yeah. And then we have lots of Kung Fu again, lots more ninjas, lots more everything kind of just happening there. Uh, yeah, it's and- it's all the violence on Savage Beach that you would have seen in the original Savage Beach, just condensed down with a bunch of different mercenaries and bad people that all work for the Phantom of the Opera mask guy. Yeah, uh, pretty much. So we find out that the bad lady is not a bad lady. She's actually an undercover uh, Interpol agent. Deep so, undercover. Yeah. Um, then, uh, the, they open up the treasure. It has a bomb in it that will explode unless the medallion is put on, is put in there. It's nuclear. Yeah, it's nuclear. And there's a bullet in that medallion. So they have to file it down and they do with like four or two seconds left and they're able to get that done. Okay. So they had the Um, four seconds left. They really tried to make you feel like this is it. This is going to be the end for all of them. And how amazing would this film be if a nuclear bomb goes off, kills all the lethal agents and all the bad people are dead and a movie roll credits that would have been amazing <laughs> this would have been the best fucking Sedaris movie ever made if you would have done that you know we could we yeah. could even cut to like there's 20 minutes left in the movie still we still have like one third of the movie however you want to you know phrase it you're, you're well, cutting we have the last the 20 minutes coming up yeah we have like a one so, fourth of the movie left still if yeah. they would have just murdered everybody and then moved on to introduce new characters that are like mourning their loss and talking about how all this money was lost and you know all that shit i would have loved this but that would never happen because that's not a happy exactly. ending no so the doc uh has uh like a cop and robber fantasy with uh cobra okay and then the groups head out and they want to grab martinez uh, so they get to the boat where he is on a boat and they send the Interpol agent in after him first. So then we cut into the last 20 minutes of the movie. The Interpol lady, she gets the drop on him, but then she tries to take the mask off and she gets all horrified and he's able to knock her out. The rest of the team gets up to his area and as he's kind of explaining things, um, she, uh, uh, Tiger kind of fucks with his glass, like getting like DNA and fingerprints, all this shit off of it. And then she leaves to go and put stuff in the computer and sends the guys in there. Well, he tells his side of the story, and that's our last clip. When we found the treasure, I was planning to double-cross the Philippine government and keep these riches for myself. But instead, I was double-crossed by my own soldiers. 
I ran for safety during a big shootout between those of us who were thieves against Donna Hamilton, Tyron Kendall, and other federal agents. It was bloody. Greetings, gentlemen. I managed to make it to a small rubber boat, but Tyron, who had the first crossbow weapon with an explosive-tipped arrow, how do you say in English, Pasabugin Moang Puitko? Blew your ass off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Blew my ass off. Later, when they came back to the site, no one could find my body. So they assumed I was dead. But I had been trained by the U.S. Army Rangers. I was one tough son of a bitch then. After the explosion, I swam underwater for 50 yards. Then I climbed ashore and licked my wounds. I managed to survive and get my strength back. And so later, I began to work on the damaged Molokai cargo plane. I used the tools and the gasoline from the Japanese boat which had been wrecked on the island 40 years before. It took weeks, but finally, it was done. I recorded everything in my diary. Then, miraculously, the plane started. It worked. I took off, and 15 hours later, I landed in Hawaii on an abandoned dirt strip on the north shore of Oahu. I received temporary medical help from my friends in Honolulu. Then I was smuggled back to the Philippines. I had 12 operations over the next six years to repair the wounds to my body and my face. I am still badly scarred on this side. Therefore, the mask. Soon after my operations, I was contacted by corrupt politicians who were stealing the Philippines' national treasures, the nation's gold reserves, jewels, precious stones, and a priceless Buddha filled with diamonds. I convinced these people that I should lead an expedition to the uncharted savage island for safekeeping of the treasures. After we did this, I disappeared. No one could find me. Oy vey. Yes. So anyway, uh, then um, as they are uh, getting ready to like check, they hear a moaning sound, and we see our Interpol agent tied up. So they're able to grab him. They start removing his, they remove his fan of the opera mask, only no scarring. He looks normal. And then Tiger comes in, and she actually peels off, saying that's not Martinez at all. Peels off his entire face mask, and we see it's another man. Um, and this is not Martinez, but his nephew. Um, so then all of a sudden the Interpol agent has a Russian accent, by the way. Want, want everyone to notice this at the end. She didn't have it all the way through until now. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so they kind of, they get the nephew and all of a sudden Martinez shows up with actual, not bad, just a little scarring on his face. Uh, he says, uh, the, uh, you know, the, he says that he kind of knew this was always happening, all this kind of shit. Everyone's now celebrating. Um, 
as you know, uh, the everything's done. They have the gold. They have everything. Roll credits. All right. Uh, oh, this film is a bunch of mess. Um, it, it, it is. It went quicker than the last one because it is a hardcore mess, and not really much happens. If we would have done this movie, this it'd be done in thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, if we did it in full-fledged too, yeah, it would, it would have yeah. been done in 30 minutes or less. There's not a lot to sink into. Uh, the nudity's awesome. There's a lot of nudity jam-packed at the beginning of the movie because they knew yeah. they didn't really have much of anything else. Uh, the sex scenes that do happen, the striptease scenes that Julie K. Smith ends up doing, uh, especially the one where she's dressed like a cop, were actually pretty erotic, but it was another one of those, like, the story's fucking over, just end your fucking movie. Oh, no, we're going to expand it out even further now for another 20 minutes. Like, yeah, right? I, thought it, I thought it was done, and I'm like, oh, cool, that went really quick. And then I check the time on my Blu-ray and I'm like, God damn it. There's still 20 minutes left. Why? I know the minute they like finished everything. It's like, Oh fuck. There's still more. <laughs> well, you now still we are not like in like, yeah, I don't care about any of these characters. <laughs> Yeah, now we got to kind of do the ranking, right? Because I got nothing else to say. Um, but I found one for sure that I dislike even more than <laughs> Malibu Express. And it's yeah, this, this one's the worst. The yeah. last is the worst. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we've got Malibu Express, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, Picasso Trigger, Savage Beach, Guns, Do or Die, Hard Hunted, Fit to Kill, Enemy Gold, Dallas Connection, Day of the Warrior, Lethal Ladies Return to Savage Beach. Um, starting in descending order for me, Lethal Ladies Return to Savage Beach is my absolute least favorite. I'm with you on that. I would say Guns is the next one up from least favorite. Um, Malibu Express for me. See, I still liked Guns more than Malibu Express even, I think. Wait, I thought we were doing hated to least hated. Uh no, I'm going I'm well, I'm going from worst to best, yeah. So yeah. Lethal Lady's so, absolute worst. And I liked Guns more than I liked Malibu Express. Malibu Express. So Malibu Express for me. Yeah, I would say that this one definitely um Guns is still better than Malibu Express for me. So yeah. So then it's this one we just watched, the Return to Savage Island. Malibu Express and then Guns. Yeah. And after Guns for disliking, I'm probably going to go with, I think maybe Dallas Connection. I probably liked less than a lot of the other ones. Because <laughs> when I'm looking over the list, I'm like, yeah, I still kind of like that one a little bit more. So I think the Dallas Connection. Yeah. That was the one that we, the, with the satellite and everything. And it was still fun and all that, but it just didn't yeah. really. Um, next up is going to probably be Enemy Gold. For, yeah. For worst. Um, I think I'll put uh, Warrior there. Oh, you're going to go Day of the Warrior? Julie Strain really helped me like Day of the Warrior more than Enemy Gold. Although there's stuff in Enemy Gold that I really did with Julie Strain. There's many moments of that that are a real step down um, from the movie that we had just saw before it with Fit to Kill. So it yeah. might be the disappointment still hanging around for me for that, I think. There you go. Um, so Day of the Warrior is next and for me. And then is Enemy Gold for you? I was going to say Fit to Kill. Really? Um, Fit to Kill's may, much higher up for me than that because I mean we got Do or wait, Die wait, with Pat Marina. Wait, wait, no, no, hold on. I'm thinking of the wrong one then. Okay. Yeah, like, hold on. Now I got. Now I'm trying to remember which one was which. Right. Um, which one are you thinking of that you think is worse? Pat Marita. That's Do or Die. So we. Oh, okay. We do agree on that one. Next. Yeah, Do or Die. Okay. I think Pat Marita was the step up from Guns that made us like Do or Die better. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, how many are there? Uh, 12, we do? 12 in total. So 12. yeah. And I've got, um, 
six left. So I got six down. So this is the list I've got so far. I've been typing mine up. Return to Savage Beach, Malibu Express, Guns, Enemy Gold Day, The Warrior. You have yours flipped. Do or die. I'm going to go the Dallas connection next. The next one that you enjoyed? Yep. Um, I'm going to probably, let me double check, see if there's anything I liked more or less than that. Um, Yeah, I'm going to say because the ones that I didn't like from above, I still liked more. So yeah, Dallas connection is going to be the next in line for me too. I agree. And so that leaves us with Fit to Kill, Hard Hunted, Savage Beach, Picasso Trigger, and Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Well, I know where Hard Ticket to Hawaii goes for me, and I also know where Fit to Kill goes for me. So it's going to be a toss-up between where do I put Picasso Trigger, Savage Beach, (laughs) and Hard Hunted at this point. Well, Savage Beach we already did, right? No, no, that's Return to Savage Beach we already did. Savage Beach Uh, is the original one where Taryn and her get lost there, and there's that Japanese soldier, so. All right, so I'm going to say Picasso Trigger's my next. I remembered us liking Picasso Trigger a little bit more, but I can see where that would be. Um, because well, after a few other movies, now it's kind of a middler. <laughs> I could totally see that. Um, yeah, I would put, I think I liked Picasso Trigger slightly more than Savage Beach. So I'm going to actually do Savage Beach, then Picasso Trigger. I think my next is going to be Hard Hunted. Yeah. I th- and then I'm going to go with, uh, p- my, with um, Savage Beach. Oh, so you liked Hard Hunted more than you liked Savage Beach and Picasso Trigger. Yes, I liked I liked Savage Beach better than I liked those two. Okay, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure that I heard you correctly. Yep. Um. So I think that about wraps it up. Let me check the total, and well, you wait, do yours too. We still have uh, Fit to Kill, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, and, and uh, that's it. Well, I know where or, I'm going to be. Ex- I have those two. Yeah, I so know where for me. I'm know where I'm putting Hard Ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do Fit to Kill, and then my favorite was uh, probably Hard Ticket to Hawaii. That I can totally see. Um, I I have no, uh, nothing to say. Oh, come on, man. This is so much better. Yeah. Uh, For me, it's Hard Ticket to Hawaii, and then Fit to Kill is the absolute tops for me. I love everything about Fit to Kill. But it's, it's, like, I love Hard Ticket to Hawaii and Fit to Kill are the two that I will watch all the time. Like, I, I, yeah. Like, I can't get Hard Ticket to Hawaii out of my head, like, nor the theme song, which I absolutely loved. So Yeah, that's true. Those two are interchangeable. Like, if you want to watch the Sedaris film, I'm going to play one of those two for you, depending upon yeah. what you're expecting. Yeah. So there you go. We, we got our list down. Yeah, so for one more time for everybody, uh, Return to Savage Beach for both of us. Yep. Malibu Express for both of us. Yep. Guns. And yep. That's both of us. Okay. And then this is where we switch. I'm enemy yep. gold day of the warrior, your day of the warrior, enemy gold for worst to best. Yep. Uh, then we both put do or die shockingly above day of the warrior and enemy gold. Exactly. Then Dallas connection above do or die. Yep. And then I went with Picasso trigger and uh, you went with uh, Savage. Savage uh, Beach. The Dal- no, uh, the, yeah, Savage Beach. Uh-huh. And then I've got then Picasso went- trigger next. So. And I went uh, hard hunted next. Okay. And, and then. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. And then I went Savage Beach. Okay. I'm um, Savage Beach, Picasso Trigger, Hard Hunted, and it looks like those are the three we have swapped. We agree that that's yeah. the better half of the films. Yeah. But um, and then the order we like it, them more is just a little different. Exactly. And then I ended it with uh, my favorite two were Fit to Kill and then uh, Hard to Get to Hawaii. Which is the same. It's just a little reversed on, on me as well. So I would say yeah. if you want to do like a top six, like what are the six best out of these 12 that we should definitely try and find and check out? I would say that we both hold wholeheartedly recommend Dallas Connection, Savage Beach, Picasso Trigger, Hard Hunted, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, and Fit to Kill. We both are behind all six of those. I think so, yes. Yeah, it's just the order of which ones we enjoyed more. And then I would say if you want to do like the the top 
10, maybe we could go like, you know, to guns and enemy gold. Yeah. <laughs> we could go like down that. that far and then Day of the Warrior and Do or Die are the better four of those. Like somewhere around that. Yeah. That general area. Uh, Malibu Express, I probably have no desire to ever watch again. And the only thing in return to Savage Beach that I'll ever want to watch again is the underwater swimming. True. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't? (laughs) Right. So that's our list. I'll put the list in with the show notes for us. uh, That's for the final end. If people just want to jump ahead and not listen to both the reviews or whatever, and we're good to go. All right. Will do. All right. So that is the 260th episode of Cinema PsyOps. That is year five in its conclusion. Let's wrap this up and go the fuck to sleep. Yeah, man. I'm tired. (laughs) We're going to play the ending Legion promo. We'll have a little bit more synthwave music, and this will be the end of year five. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. a little spooky <laughs> in synthesized they actually are like trying to say that that's a chill synth wave but I, that all that did was send chills down my spine so i don't know how chill that synth wave is yeah man I, i'm not all chilled out from that no i feel very triggered <laughs> i feel very unchilled i feel hot <laughs> hot with fear <laughs>
<laughs> I don't know if I'm hot with fear, but it's definitely warm in the studio right now with all the equipment going for over two hours. I know, man. We haven't done a show this long in a long time. <laughs> long, long time. So my plan yeah. definitely backfired. We can't do two movies in the space of one. <laughs> I, well, maybe we can. I, I, I got better in the second movie than the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I always want to talk about the nudity and how hot I am for all the actresses. So that's just, <laughs> that's just going to be fucking, that's just going to be fucked up no matter what we do. So it's, we're just having to stick with one movie regardless of how we cover it, I guess. Yeah, I guess. All right. <laughs> Would you like to check out all of our past miserable failures and attempts at entertaining you? The best place to land that is our landing and launching page, <laughs> legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. That is the complete record of all 259 previous failures of this show. That's awesome. That's a great way to look at it. We're really looking on the upside of everything, aren't we? <laughs> we fucked up so many goddamn times and made so many stupid moves that it's all right there on the internet for you just it's, to make fun of us for. We'll never we'll never take it down. Just <laughs> I mean eventually we'll always, we will, because we're we'll bogging up keep, Legion real bad. Yeah, we're we're always gonna keep our mistakes just right up the front for it. And, and if we do remove them, just ask us about them. We're more than willing to tell you how we fucked up. Well that and we're proudly not gonna learn from any of them either. That's right. We'll always keep making the same mistakes. We are pieces of shit. If you would like to tell us how big of pieces of shit we really are and uh, bring <laughs> up some of these records of past mistakes and just throw it out there for the whole world to see, the best place to do that is our Facebook group for Cinema PsyOps. I'm also on Facebook, but don't at me with that shit. Just keep it in the group because yeah. they're, yeah. the, they're the only ones that are going to appreciate what kind of fucking losers we are is in that Cinema PsyOps group. Exactly. Matt PsyOp is on Facebook, but not so as anybody noticed. He's just kind of there as like a you know placeholder for somebody doing something i don't know his, his account's there to hack and sell you sunglasses eventually so you said that. that was a thing that hey, happened, listen. right that did happen oh yeah if you share this ray-bans thing you're gonna fucking get free ray-bans and shit like that yeah that was a constant thing <laughs> well you can email feedback to matt psyopmatt at gmail.com let him know that he's done an okay job for the last 10 episodes or so and maybe court should stop threatening to fire him I don't know, man. I think it keeps me on my game, you know? You can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Let him know that 260 episodes of Matt are more than enough, and you want him to start bringing in some new, fresh blood. God damn. I, okay, maybe that's a little too real. Can we just settle that down for a minute? You could twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shit fest that doesn't like anybody, including Matt and court. <laughs> that's right. I'm at court. And the president will be sad that no one's nice to him. <laughs> I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyop Matt. The show is also available under the guise of being me on Instagram. I am cinema underscore psyops, where I repurpose our memes and also follow all of the alt models, suicide girls, uh, ladies with tattoos, yeah. whatever. No, yeah, cats, also cats. <laughs> Lots of cats. I do follow a lot of cats. Yeah. Yeah, little, little nothing wrong with following cats. Little secret for everybody out there. Uh, everybody can see everything you do on Instagram. So while you can follow whoever and it doesn't necessarily always get reported, don't like photos of naked hot ladies if your wife's going to have a problem with that. <laughs> Just a pro tip. I, uh, you know, I, I could have probably told you that, but uh, I totally forgot. Sorry. I don't know the gram. <laughs> I'm not saying I did that, Matt. See, what I do is oh, oh. I like only photos of kitties and everything so that when someone there, jumps there or, or artwork or things like that, so when someone's jumping on my timeline to see what it is that I'm doing, they'll be yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's... well, he followed all of these alt models, but then he's liked all these photos of kitties. He must not be a real creep. <laughs> yeah. 
Ha! They're fooled. <laughs> no one's falling for this. Everybody knows that I'm a fucking creep. <laughs> you, you are a total creep, but so am I. Don't worry about it. We're, we're guys on the internet. We're, we're all creeps. <laughs> guys in general are all creeps. Yeah, yeah. We're all just fucking weird. Well, while you're out there being weird and a creep, kick the fuck out of yourself emotionally because I don't want physical damage here, and then kick the fuck out of this week for real and make it your bitch. What up, what up? I'm much. How you doing? I'm good. We got a long fucking episode ahead of us here to, to close out year five, so <laughs> might not yeah, want to tarry. In a different way of doing it. Yeah. yeah, we'll see if it works. If it does, we'll go from there. All right. Are you recording on your side yet? I am recording now. Okay. And one, two, three. You know what else is what it is, Matt? Uh, I'm I'm going to go ahead and just guess. Is it this trailer? You are correct, sir. Fuck. Day what of the Warrior and Andy Sedaris film. You win the trailer. (laughs) And this is the same bad guy who's been in now the last few movies. Um, uh, I think, believe his name is, um, uh, either Miguel or it's, uh, yeah, it wasn't all that great. Um, (laughs) okay. Okay. We can bag on Bagwell all we want. That's absolutely fine. But he wasn't that terrible. There were significantly worse wrestlers in WCW at the time. Oh yeah. Okay. He was nowhere, nowhere near the bottom of the heap for WCW wrestlers. Nowhere near it. And the guy did whatever he asked him to do, so I'll give him props on that. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a middle-of-the-road kind of jobber that got turned keel thinking that that would do a better career, and then he just didn't really go anywhere from that. And he, I mean, he did go to uh, WWE when they did the invasion angle. He just couldn't get any footing there, and they just eventually just sent him home. It was just, he wasn't doing anything. Right, I mean, but still, he got on camera, he got in the ring, he got bouts. He He got, yeah, he got bouts. Uh, uh, When Booker Booker T's first world title defense in WWF was against Buff Bagwell on Raw. So, I mean, he got something. So yeah, and he's he not. Wasn't, uh, he's not terrible. It's just that you and I have a certain standard that we keep for what we consider a good wrestling, right? And for me, if you're not George the Animal Steel level of entertaining, you're not worth my time. Yeah, yeah. If uh, if you're not, uh, I, I think you'd go even with the Macho Man. Uh, oh, for it, sure. It, just entertaining wise, and all he had was uh, he can make a really good bicep and call him stuff, buff the stuff. <laughs> that, that, I, I, I'm serious. That's all it was. Which is perfect for B movies and Andy Sedaris films. Like, yeah, Buff, I mean, it, it made him movie. very. Yes, he does belong in this movie. Um, I think he belongs here more than he belongs 
uh, being a male escort. So, or gigolo, which he went to as well. So, that's another story. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He showed up on the, I think it was a Showtime show called Gigolos. He became a gigolo for a while. Wow. All right. Well, yeah. there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Buff the stuff. You can you can so, hire yourself buff the stuff for an evening of your own pleasure. Yeah, I don't know if he's still doing it now. But, uh, you know, back or, then. You sure. could have at one point. Yeah. And apparently she's in a relationship with one of her her partners in Lethal. We, we don't know that yet. Oh, you kind of see it, right? Because doesn't she, like, on the she's in the pool and then she gets dressed with the guy, right? Or am I confusing that? No, no, no. That's way later. Okay, yeah, never she, mind then. Not, yeah, she's with nobody right now. She's alone. Pirating porn is definitely, definitely not something that I would like to encourage people to do. No, no one should do that. That's just wrong. Yeah, not wrong. for not for profit. Just send it to me for free. Yeah, right. Come on, come on. Help, help us out. We're we're so lonely. Uh. <laughs> As if you porn, porn hub, and a bunch of other websites don't exist. Shh, shut up. What are you doing? <laughs> Why you gotta be a dick? All the time. Can't just let us have something. No, I'm not saying they have to send us anything other than their login to those sites that we can get better access. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, all right. Now, now, you're, now you're talking sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what they triggered me with... Uh, the other guy was like, he was like, you know, it's really unfortunate that there was this hack and all that. And uh, Cobra grabs him by the chin like that. Fucking, I hate that shit. Oh, that triggers me. Something fucking fierce. Don't, nobody should. If you ever grab me like that, I will fuck someone up. <laughs> well, I just, I don't know why that fucking does it to me, though. <laughs> uh, for me, it's the Gibbs slap. That's what they call it after NCIS. Oh, where slap yeah, somebody I in the hate that pad. shit. Well, I hate that shit, too. I will fucking go livid. Like, I just see red when someone does that, and it's bad. And I'm not saying that and putting that on the internet and inviting people to do it unless you yeah, really no, want to get no. me fucking you up because it might and, happen and, and i will tell you one thing i'm fucking with you on that one too all the way you'd be justified if you did that i'd tell the cops i'd be like no you understand that guy had a gun uh <laughs> he came after court so court just fucking killed him it's amazing it's amazing he's a hero he's a hero i would fucking like i like doing it to myself because in the show because i kind of got into the show for a while denoza would do it to himself i'll do it to myself and i think that's funny fucking anybody else does it to me i would never do that to somebody else. that shit was fucking yeah no that's putting your hands in someone else like that's fucking horrendous the slap upside the back of the head is a real yeah. good way to get me fucking livid because there's yep. someone in my life that did that a little too often and uh, i couldn't do anything about it so i get yeah, real fuck angry that. real fast i hear you dude I, I fuck dude i just got fucking russell just hearing you talk about it i'm like fuck yeah that bothers me fucking too <laughs> There's been a few times where that has caused me to physical altercations when someone has done that. I've gotten better. I've actually yeah. had I had a coworker at a previous job before I came became a coder do that, and I spun really? around. Yeah, it was a it was a female coworker who did it. And oh, see, yeah, we were still we were, that. Yeah, that's horseshit. Right before she did it, we were we were on friendly terms and we goofed around, and it was just kind of something that she did without thinking. And when I turned around, like she started tearing up at how angry and like shaking I was, and yeah. I'm like, I'm really sorry, but don't ever fucking do that again. You know, because. Yeah. I didn't I didn't move I didn't do anything other than like I just spun around because it made me angry and then when I saw that it was her I'm like okay just go away and don't ever do that again please you yeah know? I didn't know I didn't know that chin grab thing would ever bother me at all until I was in high school and some girl did that it's because she thought she was tough and she's grabbing by the chin and I literally slapped her hand away to the point where she actually complained to a teacher and they're like you, you literally grabbed him by his face he, he 
yo, why would you do that? I w- and I was not on friendly terms with this person at all. She did it just because she was one of those people who was like, I'm a bitch and I'm proud of it. And so she would do things. And I slapped her hand away and I didn't even know that would bother me. But for some reason, so when I ever see that happening, I'm like, nobody ever better grab me like that. I don't care. Maybe I'll get my ass kicked, but I'll I'll take a piece of you with me. <laughs> it's weird. I will take a piece of you. Yeah, it's weird like that, you know, where everybody's yeah. got their own little thing. And, I, and when you said triggered, I'm like, wait, where is this going? And then I just let you speak, and then I totally get it. But yeah. yeah. So there we go. That's that's ways of pissing off both of the hosts of <laughs> Cinema Psyops to make them physically assault you. Yeah, don't do it. I yeah. wouldn't suggest it. We're, he may be laughing, but we're both not kidding. We are not kidding at all. I was, I've seen some stuff, some things. I would suggest it. All right. I, I, do we have another trailer for that? Yeah, we will. This is where they just basically let Buff Bagwell off the leash and said, yeah, just be let, Buff Bagwell. Just be Buff. They, just, they let Buff be the stuff right here. Uh, That's a line that I have heard him deliver so many times or something similar to that, where he does the little mug at the camera and then he pops his muscle up and then kisses at it, you know? Yep. And, and I, it, I figured out a wrestler who was actually worse than him that also relied solely and only upon his muscles. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Scott Steiner. Oh, come on. The Steiner recli- The Steiner brothers were an awesome tag team. The though. Steiner brothers were an awesome tag team. Correct. Scott Steiner yeah. on his own had to be teamed up with Buff Bagwell to borrow some personality. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're not, you're not wrong. Uh, but holla if you hear me. Um, <laughs> I was born for water sports. I'll help you through it all. fuck out of yourself emotionally because I don't want physical damage here and then kick the fuck out of this week for real and make it your bitch. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to get us out of that yeah. spiral. Uh, fuck you did it well enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm stopping